turned my back on the open space. And in real time, this is happening fast. Yes, this is like all happening in a matter of seconds. <laughs> and I, I looked up to to say goodbye to my friends yeah. and, and c- confirm when we were going to get together. And the exact instant that I turned to, to go through that open door, the guys left and the door started to swing close. And so, like... It had to be to the millisecond. That door came closed, big heavy glass door, and I turned around, and my bridge of my nose and that door met at full speed. Like that. Yeah, and it knocked me back, and I, I thought it was going down. <laughs> I thought it was going down. I was seeing stars. So you were, it was rocky, too? You yeah, thought you were going down? I was seeing stars. I was like, don't, just keep your composure. Don't go down. And I was able to, to stay up, and then I, I kind of shook my head a little bit i got my senses back about me the guys behind me said you okay and of course now it's the walk of shame right and i'm like i'm fine i just lift my hand up i'm fine and I, and i i don't even look back at them and what you don't realize is the red sea has opened up oh yeah i walked out the first door out onto the patio out of the second door and i'm like what in the world's going on and i i was gushing blood out of the bridge of my nose okay this music's perfect for this go ahead yeah Continue. And so, so, so I, I, I cupped my hands like this and I went, oh my word, I need to get back into the bathroom. I, I cupped my hands because I don't want to keep bleeding on the right. sidewalk. And your shirt, your tie, your suit, that's Ties all. Ties messed that's up. That's all trouble. Shirts messed up. Okay. Jackets messed up. I go like this. By the time I make it back, not that far to the bathroom. And I don't know who the good Samaritan that helped me was, but, but he, he said, can I help you? And I said, yeah, open the bathroom door and go grab me a bunch of paper towels. By the time I get in there, my entire hand, and I don't know if you like was completely filled with blood. I might as well have just gone and donated a pint. And That reminds me of what well, Bill Murray said. Whatever you do, give 100% unless you're donating blood. Oh, yeah, I didn't give 100%. No, you, you need so, some. So he helped me clean up a little bit, and we cleaned up, and I, I, it took me 35 minutes to get that to stop bleeding. And do you think it's broken? Probably is. And then my big worry was I'd have black eyes in the morning. And yeah. here, Here's the thing, That's though. For, for this show, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to put myself in concussion protocol. <laughs> so I, I was in concussion protocol, and, and I released myself. So today I was clear. You released yourself. I cleared myself today from concussion protocol so that I could come do the show. So if things go off the rails here, we'll just put up a concussion <laughs> alert <laughs> sign. Yeah, there should be a flashing put some music that comes across the top that says con- concussion alert. Just, well, that got me thinking because uh, we were we were tweeting some stuff out for today's debut. And, and, you and said, I said, you can sent, I use your picture of you your nose? You sent my picture out, which I don't know why I let you do that. And, uh, because I, I said that there's we both prepared for tonight in two very different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and now we've explained that, but it got me thinking, uh, you've taken some big hits over the years and, and a lot of the aftermath of those hits will be revealed on this show in the years to come. I'm sure. I'm sure. But, uh, for folks, uh, with us and by the way, uh, med ward one says he hopes you uh, feel better soon. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I don't know who that is, but since he's saying brother Fowler, he, he, He's probably up on campus with me yesterday. Yeah, maybe. maybe he might have opened and, the door. And, uh, and we're like brothers. We've been doing this together since 1989. Yeah. So they can close it was, whatever they want. It was not. It was not. The only. There's always a silver lining to everything, though. So the silver lining is Brenda always gets me on that joke. Um, Does your face hurt? And I'm going, no, why? And it's just because it's killing it's me. It's killing me. So she, if she tries that now and she says, <laughs> does your face hurt? The answer is yes, it does. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. my face. And then hurts. she can't do the punchline. The punchline's it's gone. Spoiled. All right, let's think about for a moment. Uh, we're going to have big guests on this show as we move through in the coming years, the coming months, we get ready for the last year of independence. But let's talk about big hits since you took a big one coming in. What's the biggest hit you took as a quarterback at BYU? The, the, absolutely the biggest hit I took in my entire football career 
was opening day, 1984. We're on the road at Pittsburgh. It's the start of the national championship march. It's the first live sports broadcast in the history of ESPN. Yep. It's our first offensive series. First time we touch the ball. I remember the play. I've seen it many times. First play, we decide we're going to use a little trickeration. And so I come in at halfback. And a pit's ranked number three, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a a big task to go on the road. And they've been really, really good. Um, uh, So I line up a halfback. They toss the ball to me. Robbie tosses the ball to me. Glenn Kozlowski runs a post down the middle of the field. I I, I try to sell the sweep, the the pitch or the toss as long as I can. And then pull the ball out and throw the ball downfield to Glenn Kozlowski. We complete it. But just as I was letting the ball go, two Pittsburgh defenders, including Chris Dolman, who's a multi-year pro bowler, one of the greatest defensive ends in the history of, of the game of football, he put the crown of his head which, by the way, would be a penalty today. It was not, a different not, game. Not back then. Right on my chin. Mm. And uh, I saw very similar stars to the ones I saw <laughs> when the door hit me on Sunday afternoon um, when, when I got hit. And I went over the sideline, and I, I put my hand up. I had a um, We didn't have those plastic, uh, you know, with the padding in them, right. chin straps. We had cloth chin straps. And I, I put my hand up, and I thought, whoa. What is that? And, and I did my chin strap, and I literally had a golf ball size mm. um, uh, yeah. lump on my chin that I was proud of. People don't know that's the price you paid to throw the first pass completion on ESPN. Yeah, and Glenn, hey, Glenn made a phenomenal he did. catch. He might have saved you on that because that was a great catch. I was getting hit, that catch. thing got, got away from me a little bit, and it kind of took off, but there was nothing that Glenn couldn't get to. And he literally laid completely out flat to make that catch, and that kind of gave us some momentum and we, we got going. I, I do remember the first the first ball that Robbie threw in that game shortly thereafter because I was standing right next to our quarterback's coach, Mike Holmgren. And, and Robbie was a little fired up. <laughs> and, you know, to, to be – this is his first start. Yeah. He's throwing a little hitch route on the sideline. So the receiver just goes three steps and turns in right on our sideline. And the ball goes 15 feet over the receiver's head, right over Mike Holmgren's head, over my head, and, like, maybe into the first row. And Mike Holmgren just casually looks down the play sheet and says to me, I think he's a little jacked up. <laughs> and I go, yeah, he's a little, he's a little jacked up. He right was now. jacked up. All right, let's think of big hits. You know, a lot of people think newscasters can't possibly take big hits, but a couple of years ago up at KSL, uh, we were in the middle of the ten o'clock news, and I went. Uh, sometimes, you know, if you get bored, I go into the weather office, see what Kevin's doing. Those commercials are like three and a half minutes long, so I go in there and I'm talking to Kevin, and uh, what he's doing typically is uh, when his weather's done, he's surfing the web for. Uh, uh, skateboards and or snowboards he's the that's his thing he is the uh uh tony hawk of uh of weather forecasters i did, I did not know this yeah about so anyway i'm in there and then i turn to come back because the commercial is almost over and our floor director jen turns at the same time and we crack heads like you wouldn't believe and i saw stars and the lights dim and i think we both got concussions but then i went over and sat down and and, and read the rest of the of the news, I wasn't the same for several days. Oh, That's not right in the middle of a newscast. Who gets a concussion you got in a, a newscast? You got doing the news yeah. in the middle of the news. I think I read better after the concussion, so that, that explains my whole situation. <laughs> and, you know, I'm certain that I've had – we didn't have – we really didn't have the concussion protocols back in those days. Um, so I, I'm certain that I've played at some point or another. Probably. And, and, all, and all of my teammates. I mean, we know that Jim McMahon – did multiple times. Jim yeah. was a teammate. We know that Steve Young had a bunch of concussions. Sure. He, he were, 
you know, he retired early from the National Football League because of the worry about that. Um, well, now you got some good advice though on on the tail end of a play from Mike Holmgren that that uh, yeah maybe extended your career a little bit. So this is. <laughs> I, I just remember this so plainly because I was so, it was so early in my career. I was young, young quarterback. One of the first times I'd gotten into a game, and um, two things I remember most about this: I dropped back to throw, and and when I dropped back, I couldn't see anything downfield. When you're a young guy back there, yeah. it's it's just hard to see downfield, and so I just took off running. And when you're a young player, you just remember how you were in high school. Right. When I was in high school. Hey, I'm 190 pounds in high school. And if I get past the defensive line, I'm as big as the linebackers and safeties. Like, I'm just going to run somebody over. And so I got to our sideline. And instead of stepping out of bounds, I decided to turn back into the defense. And 240-pound linebacker hit me and hit me so hard that I didn't land on the ground until I was about seven yards out of bounds, right in front of Mike Holmgren. And, and Mike, right in front of your quarterback yeah, coach. He grabbed me by the shoulder pads. Mike's a big, strong guy. Yeah. And he picked me up off my feet and put me down. And then he, he put his face right in my face and he goes, what the heck are you doing? You're going to get yourself killed out there. When you get downfield, you either get down or get out of bounds if you want to keep playing this game. I was like, that is very, very good advice. That's words to and live by. Those same stars I saw Sunday <laughs> up, up on campus, I saw, I saw those. And that was maybe the first – they were so plentiful that I was actually swiping in front of my hands. You should hands, name those stars. You've seen them in so front much. of my hands to, to, get rid of the, to get rid of the stars. But I did take that advice. The rest of my career, when I had opportunity to run, you find an open spot, you get what you need to get, you get down, you get out of bounds, and, and, and that's what you have to do or you, your career is shortened. My uh, lone year in football, in organized football, uh, came many moons ago in the Orem City Little League. Dave Lewis, Chad Lewis's older brother, convinced me to come play. We were the Cowboys. Been, we won one game all year, and it was the last game. <laughs> but we're playing the Raiders, and there's a play, and I'm a defensive back, and the ref blows the whistle. And I take my helmet, and I lift it up over my face. It was hot. The play was over. Mm-hmm. And Alan Whitehead comes in and drills me with his helmet right on my chin. With your helmet off? With my helmet off. It was a cheap shot. I think yeah. he understands that years later. Uh, anyway. Do you think Alan might be <laughs> in on the podcast? Tonight, he might. In on the live stream. Keep a look on this. Anyway, he hits me there, and my chin just swells up like you explained oh, yours. Man. So I can't even put my chin strap back on. I, I leave the game. I drive home on my bike. I walk into the kitchen. My mom's in the kitchen. She turns around, and she sees my face. And she had told me, <laughs> you're going to get hurt playing football. That's why I don't want you to play football. And she looks at me, and she goes, I told you you were going to get hurt. And I did get hurt, but what it did was it dented my chin right here. This one is a little bit longer than this one, and it emphasized its dimple right here a little is bit that more. Between you, I made a ton of money on this to thing. You and Bowler Jack, like you and Bowler Jack, made a living <laughs> on those dimples. In your and it chin. started with Alan Whitehead, but I didn't appreciate, you're, you're, and I still don't today. You're giving you're giving Alan Whitehead credit. What about uh, what? There was a game when uh, I was in San Diego in the seats. You were down there on the field, oh, and BYU yeah, was playing yeah. Ohio State. Yeah, you, you and I have talked about this. This like We started talking about some of the um, the craziest hits we've ever seen in football. Um, and so if this is 1982. We're playing Ohio State in the Holiday Bowl. Ohio State, they finished that season ranked number 12. They were a machine. They were better than 12 at that point. Yeah. It, it's honestly, Dave, it's the only game I've ever been involved in at any level. I'm talking little league, high school, college, um, where I just felt like a little bit into the game, 
we have no chance whatsoever. <laughs> and and this thing, they should run a running clock because we're going to get killed. We're going to lose by 100 if this thing keeps going. I th- we ended up losing 47-17, yeah. by the way. And they took it easy on us at the end. But So we're, we're getting beat up pretty pretty bad. I'm the backup quarterback. Steve's the starter. And uh, Steve decides to take off down the field. And he's going, you know when Steve goes, he's like running right. up right and he's flying, running 4-4 down the field. And he decides to cut sideways. Yeah. And... Ohio State had two All-American linebackers that year. So good. Was Spielman in that group? Well, that he came, was he later? He, we played against them in 85 okay, against that's Chris right. Spielman, who was, he was one a, of the great, greats of all time. And, yeah. he, he, and we, we matched up a lot better with Ohio State in 85. We, we lost we, a, cl- a close game to yeah. them in 85 in the, in the Citrus Bowl. But this is the 82 team with Tim Spencer at tailback and Von Brodnax at fullback. And Tom Zach was play, Mike Tom Zach was playing quarterback. Right. And, um, but a bunch of All-American offensive linemen. But they had Marcus Merrick who was a legit All-American, big-time linebacker. And uh, um, and then Cobb, Glenn Cobb, who was a captain, both like three or four. And they were years. cocky from the Big oh, Ten. And, but they were, so as, as Steve cuts sideways, um, Marcus hits him from the, the backside high, and Glenn hits him from the front side low. Mm, yeah. And Steve did an aerial cartwheel. I remember that. And landed on the side of his head. And, and here's how violent the hit was. I had my helmet in my hand. By the time Steve hit the ground, I already had my helmet on. Like I was, I was like, he's not. There's no he way. He will not survive this. Like he's going to be out of this game. In fact, he might be out forever. Like this may be my job moving forward because he was just a junior that year, and we were we were good that year. We were like, you know, won eight games that year. But you know that we were setting the stage for the next year when we lose our opener at Baylor and then not lose for a couple of years. Right? Where right. where Steve led us to that win in the Holiday Bowl against Missouri the next year. But I'm thinking. He's out, like he might be out cold. And the thing I remember, I think they had to take the ear pad out of his helmet to get his helmet off because his nose was sticking out of the ear hole. <laughs> and so Holmgren pulls me over and, and he says, hey, Now listen. you're going in. Yeah. He's like, Listen, just be like, this is not what you normally hear. Whole different speech when I'm going into the Holiday Bowl in 84 yeah. and the national championships on the line. When I'm going in there, Mike Holmgren says, Listen, we got this. You got this. Um, We'll call all the. I know the plays that you're comfortable with. Norm and I are going to call all the things you're comfortable. With. We're going to move the football. We got this. You're going to go win this game for us. Now let's go back to '82. He goes, listen, just be careful out there. Like, don't get yourself hurt out there. This is getting crazy out there, um, and don't do anything stupid. That's all he said. <laughs> so you go in. So I'm going in, and I go out there. I'm like, I got, the, I got the rest of this game, and we're getting killed. Let's see how fast we can get this thing over. I, I think I only threw one ball in the game. I completed an 11 yard ball yeah. in that game, but. Um, a couple of plays later, here comes Steve Young running back out on the field. And, I, and I'm and i looking at Steve, and I'm like, what, what are you doing? He goes, you're out. I'm in. And I go, oh. <laughs> he put himself back okay. in? He came back in, and I ran over to the sidelines, and Holmgren says, uh, what are you doing? I, I said, Steve's back in. He goes, no, no, the heck he is. Steve's not back in. And, and I go, no, he's in. He just put himself back in. And, and Mike goes, well, let's see how that goes. And they just they just let they just let him play the rest the rest of the he way. checked which, himself back which in. Which would never ever happen. Now they take today. their helmets, right? They yeah. don't even give them the chance. Your your helmet gets taken away, and they hide it or they lock it up someplace, and you don't get back in the game. But yeah, Steve put himself back in. That's put awesome. Himself back in the game. So I played a few plays in in the game that I felt like we had the least chance of winning of any game I've ever played in in my life. That was a wicked hit. Hey, Ketch, uh, Dr. Ketch 1000, what's going on with baseball right now? We'll talk about that a bit later on, but uh, baseball's in Stockton. They play tomorrow night in the first round yeah, of the four, four WCC seed. tournament yep. four against seed going LMU. Tur- which, yeah. and, and, you know, just touch on it quickly, 
um, we just go back a couple weeks ago, and they weren't even in position to be in right, in WCC tournament. You had to yeah. be in the top six. And what a phenomenal run down the stretch for, for BYU baseball. So uh, we appreciate you asking. We can get into that a little bit more. But they're hitting the ball. The pitching's coming through. And, uh, hey, let's let's see them do some right. damage in that tournament. We got all the headlines from campus we'll get to in just a bit. We've been The theme of the show is Blaine's Broken Nose. <laughs> and so <laughs> we're talking about big hits. And I remember uh, September 15th, 1989, uh, I was the sideline reporter, and you and the great Jay Monson were up in the booth. BYU's playing Washington State. They mm-hmm. outscore them 35-7 to in the fourth quarter. A big win for Ty Detmer and everybody. The fans storm the field, and I'm down on the field around the five-yard line. I'm interviewing Rocky Beagle, the linebacker. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys throw it down to me, and I ask him a few questions. And then I made a gross error in the world of live sports broadcasting is I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, thanks, Rocky. We'll let you go. Congratulations. And he left. And then when he left, all the fans jumped in. And just before my headset was completely ripped off my head in a violent fashion, might I add, and before I was knocked to the ground, also in a violent fashion, <laughs> I hear in my headset, you and Jay laughing and oh, laughing yeah. and laughing. That's the last thing I heard as I went into the other world was my trusted colleagues watching from above and having a good laugh you know what that's a dangerous job like yeah. some like you feared for getting hurt down there doing that I, during the jimmer's year um i'd have to go around the the desk um i'll never forget when he did the san diego state when he, he took over that san diego state game two right. top five yeah. teams and jimmer just went off i felt like I was interviewing a rock star, and I, I was we were worried that the crowd was going to overtake us. They had security all yeah. around. I'm like, this is pretty cool, but I did get a little bit nervous there. So, hey, uh, D. Halla um, three told us here that 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 Steve Young hit against Ohio State. <laughs> if you want to see it, it's at nine twenty two. It's the clip is titled "The Nineteen Eighty Two Holiday Bowl: Ohio State versus BYU Drive Through on YouTube," um, and and that yeah, and then and then. Uh, uh, Dr. Catch 1000 says, do you think you get Steve Young to come on live stream? Yeah, we'll get oh, Steve yeah, on. Absolutely. There's no question. We'll get Ty on, Mark yeah, Wilson. We'll, we'll have all those guys on. Steve, Steve and I are still still stay pretty close. Our families are close. And he's been unbelievable to my kids. We'll just say that. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah we'll absolutely have have Steve on. And 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 uh, Dr. Catch 1000, you, you said, uh, I guess Steve had a lot of clout to put himself back in the game. Steve didn't have that much clout back in those days. Right. He was a junior. He was just getting going. He just right? went in. Now, now, by the time he finished up the next year, he was the guy. He, he was the man. But, but he developed um, over time, just just like everybody else. Um, we we always remember the senior Steve Young, the junior and senior Jim McMahon, the the junior that was going out Zach Wilson, uh, the 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 senior back, you know, and those right, guys. Yeah. Um, but but we forget those guys were all like normal human being quarterbacks <laughs> early in their careers and we were wondering if they'd ever be great and they became great, right? So my question for, for you guys out there and, and if you're not on the um, if you're not on the chat stream, get on there and, and, and give us some stuff. But um, Click the chat yeah, button. Because some of you I know are just clicked on the video and you're just watching. That's cool yeah. too. And you can have this discussion amongst yourselves at home. But what's the greatest hit you ever remember in football or especially in BYU football, what's the greatest hit you ever remember? And I, and like I the thinking, greatest, meanest, nastiest yeah, hit? Yeah, just the biggest hit you can ever okay. recall. I'd be interested to see, um, you know, what, what folks that are, have joined us are, are thinking on that. What, what's your what's the best hit you ever saw? Uh, we were looking at Kurt Gavea's against oh, Hawaii. Yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was a good one. 
the one that sent uh, Young into a helicopter. Yeah, uh, that that was a that was a good that wasn't a, a hit by BYU, but it was a that hit was a where you're like, hit. whoa, that one's yeah. pretty good. I was talking to Gary Scheide this week. I've got a story on him coming out in the Desert News tomorrow. Yeah, you were talking to me about on, what on his legacy. Story. And speaking of big hits, so he leads BYU to the Fiesta Bowl in 1974, the first bowl game. For the Cougars, and they were only 11 that year, so it was a big deal. They're playing Oklahoma State, getting the second quarter, they're up 6 nothing. And uh, Phil Dokes, this big, nasty linebacker for Oak State, hits Gary after he threw the ball, Late. drives him into the turf, and tears two tendons in his shoulder, and he's done. Mm-hmm. And then Oklahoma State picks off uh, the backup three times, and they win 16-6. to And Shady's career is, is over. He gets drafted by Bill Walsh and the Bengals in the third round, but he got tendonitis trying to adjust to his throw and his shoulder wasn't this and that. And, and, and all those complications went to that, went to that hit. Well, he believes there's a bounty. There was a bounty put on his head. Wow. And I, I, that's, I had yeah. never heard that. And he told me that it was confirmed years later oh my gosh. by a member of the Oklahoma state Cowboys on that team that said, Oh yeah. Uh, Somebody put a bounty, uh, Buddy Ryan is the name they tossed around, who played at Oklahoma State and was around, but had put a bounty on Gary, and this guy hit him after the play and drove him into the thing. I don't know what he won, but it changed Gary's uh, professional collegiate and professional life. Yeah, I mean, he, and, he, Gary was had the skill set yeah. to be a big-time NFL quarterback. And, and, you know, and Gary's the guy... Uh, with Lavelle and the staff that he had put in place, Lavelle had made this commitment. And, you know, we, we, we talked to Lavelle so many times about his thought process, but um, he he changed the game of football, really, by, by just saying, wait a minute, you don't have to line up and knock people off the ball and run the ball to be successful. You can beat teams, even some that maybe have more talent, by throwing the ball around. Yeah. And Gary, you know, ushered in that era, and then everybody copied what Lavelle Edwards did in college football. So look for that tomorrow yeah. uh, in the Desert News. How about the they, Bluesville one? We yeah. were talking about this earlier. Uh, the biggest hit, Braden L. Bakri yes. against San Jose State on a kickoff. We're calling that game. I love that. And hit. that helmet sound we could hear up we in the booth. All, we're like, we could hear it all the way up. And it was just this pause of, is yeah. he alive? Med- Medward, Medward one was like, oh. The Ty Detmer splitting my like oh, I know yeah. what he's talking Split about. His chin. So I think he's talking about um, when when they're playing Miami. Ty Detmer's dropped back to pass. Both defensive ends are coming full speed from each side, and at the very last second, he just has this sense, and he steps up, and the two defenders collision each other, and then Ty throws a touchdown pass. And so he's saying a hit. Of, I think he's uh, talking about the hit. Those two guys, the two guys hit, hitting hitting together. Um, and then, and then Medward one says, "How about the punter against Boise State?" So he he's also referred. That's the Matt Payne, right? And if you remember the Matt Payne hit, that was the number one play. Of the, like, this was 10, now in the Sports, Sports Center, Center era, and it was the number one play of the day. They did the back to back hits. He had two hits in that game, and it's just like a kicker or a punter is not. He killed those guys. Yeah. It was they 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 could have they should have arrested him for assault <laughs> in that game against Boise State. It's so. interesting, and we're going to run through some names here. Uh, and a lot of these guys are going to be on this show as we move through the months and years. But it's interesting to see how injuries have kickstarted the career of some of the biggest quarterbacks that have ever played at BYU. And let's start. Let's go back to we talked about Shidey, but uh, Gifford Nielsen is rolling along, a Heisman candidate. He gets hurt in '77, and Mark Wilson comes in mm-hmm. and throws seven touchdowns against Colorado State in his first appearance as a BYU quarterback. Uh, so Giff went out, Wilson came in, and then all of a sudden, 
I think we're going to be all right. We got Mark Wilson. Well, and and you know, Giff went on, still had a great NFL career. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and Giff's doing phenomenal things today, as we know, as a member of the first quorum of the seventy, and a good good friend of ours. Right. And and uh, but but that that injury to Giff ushered in the Mark Wilson era, and it didn't. It didn't go so good the next week. No, he set another record. Yeah. <laughs> but he threw some interceptions. <laughs> but Mark ended up being a first round draft pick yeah. and a starter for the Raiders. And then and then um Wilson and McMahon shared time yeah. in, in seventy eight. Um But then McMahon gets hurt in eighty one. So, so McMahon Mark didn't get hurt. So Mark had right. a relatively healthy career. And then Jim Jim redshirted. I know mm-hmm. that Jim didn't want to redshirt. He and I have had that conversation yeah. many times. He was so mad at Lavelle. And Lavelle had this really difficult decision to make. He's like, wait a minute. I think I have two first-round draft pick quarterbacks. Um, and so what do I do? They're this. I, I've got to get another year of separation between them. Jim's the younger. Even though he's phenomenal, um, I'm, I'm going to redshirt Jim. Mark's going to come back and be amazing. Remember Mark with right after appendicitis comes out and, and beats Texas A and M on the road. Yeah, went eleven being, and one. Ends up being a first round draft pick. I'll never forget that San Diego State game where mm-hmm. he just he started the game three for three, three touchdowns. I don't know, one hundred and something yards. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's how you do it. But then Jim comes back from his redshirt year and breaks like seventy six NCAA records his junior year, and uh, it was almost like yeah, I'm going to show you guys that I shouldn't have redshirted. But but it ended up being great for the program. It ended up being great for Jim. And then Jim's a first-round draft pick right. and goes on with the Bears. So then in, in 81, Jim gets hurt, and this guy comes in who's a lefty. And we're like, what's this? I remember sitting there uh, on the 10th row with my brothers going, who is this? And, uh, and BYU struggled against Utah State. I think beat them 32-26 or something. And and uh, and Steve would just take off running all the time. We're like, is this our future? We're dead if this is our future. And uh, and you know, then McMahon came back, and then Young had his time. But that's where we were introduced to Steve Young. Uh, Jim McMahon's injured tonight. Steve Young's at quarterback. Who is this guy? Yeah, and he played. And he played a couple of games. And and you know, uh, Ted Tolner um, and I were talking. And Ted Tolner was the quarterbacks coach for just Jim's senior year. That was my freshman year. And they were ready to move Steve Young to defensive back. He's so athletic, unbelievably athlete. And and the old quarterback coach, um, like he, he just didn't have any interest in the left-handed quarterback. I mean, that right. was the biggest thing. And Steve was kind of a running, throwing quarterback and didn't want to invest the time, Doug Scoville, in developing Steve. But Ted came in and Ted goes, if I don't come to BYU, there's no Steve Young. And I got thinking about it. He's right. Right. Because... He really took a liking to Steve, and he loved Steve's work ethic, and he loved his mechanics. And he's like, this kid will – I need to give this kid a shot because he's willing to work and be coached. So he went to Lavelle and said, let's let him play quarterback. Um, he wants to play quarterback. Lavelle says, okay. And St- Steve, I've, he's – of all athletes I've ever been affiliated with, watched, covered in broadcasting, played with, going from here to here, I- I've never seen anybody develop their craft – like Steve Young did, and he never stopped. Till the day he retired, that guy worked at it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Just getting better every time he stepped on the practice field or in the game field. But he, he filled in for those two games. We saw some glimpses of his running ability, and then he honed his passing game yeah. and, and became a great player. Well, in 82, so he gets hurt in the right. bowl game. You come in. Then Robbie Bosco comes along, and we get into the Michigan game for the national championship. He gets hurt in your back end. And and this now you're back in thinking, one, you ran a bunch of plays, and you're not quite sure he's coming back. 
Yeah, honestly, I would check with Robbie in, in between series. I'm like, what What are you doing? Like, are you coming back or what? I don't think so, man. I don't think so. And you know, Rob, Robbie and I are close, very, very close. And the, the team's um, undefeated. Yeah, yeah they're, You they're, win, you're going to be number one. Chris Gurman and Robbie Bosco and I were like like the three musketeers our freshman year together. Our, it was our kicker and, and Robbie yeah. and I. Robbie and I were roommates. And, and so I'm like, are you going to come in or not? I need to know like what mindset I need to have. And he just wasn't sure he was going to be able to come back in. He took a late hit. From Mike Hammerstein, the All-American defensive lineman yeah. from Michigan, injured his knee, and uh, and Holmgren, and, no, and it was very different conversations than in '82 because we we were going to go win this game. Yeah, and and to us it was like doesn't matter whether Rob's playing or I'm playing. The defense is going to play great. We're going to go win this game. We're going to win a national championship. Very different circumstances in that one, but that was you know me going in '82. Nobody even remembers I got in that. That Holiday Bowl in 82 against Ohio State. But, but they do remember 84. But, but people remember that game because that game mattered, right? Yeah. And and we, we had to keep it going. So you get in the huddle, and uh, we, we've told this story before, which is awesome. You get in the huddle, and uh, who was it? Uh, Bellini or somebody no, tells you they're wide open. Kozlowski says to me, <laughs> he, 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 he's, he leans over and he goes, dude, I'm open on every single play. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay. And Bellini stands, so the receivers end up on, they're on both sides as you're coming into the huddle. And, and Glenn steps up to me like this. And then Mark Bellini, on the other side, he goes, that is a bunch of crap. I'm open <laughs> on every single play. Everybody's and then, open. And then David Miles, our tight end, goes, tight end is the guy that's open on every single it's play. It's nice that they're all so, so free so, so with I their... Just, I was just like, you know what? I guess I better just read the defense because everybody in this huddle is lying right yeah, now. Yeah, we should have had 50 points. Everyone's yeah, so every, wide open. Everybody was lying. Um, well, but... What a great group of receivers yeah. we had. And you had got it done, game. and then Bosco did come in, and the, the we, karate we kid, he the won ball. the game. Yep, and Robbie comes in and throw, throws a phenomenal ball to Kelly Smith, a game-winning throw where he had to step up in the pocket and avoid a rush and, and hit Kelly, who one of the great receivers of all time coming out of the backfield, sure-handed and just understood defenses. And, uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. So, uh, But that that – game because Robbie got hurt and I played in the spotlight in a big game on national television that mattered. Yeah. All of a sudden people knew who I was. And then the next year Robbie was, you know, in and out. He he had like he almost there were games where he was hurt and couldn't play almost yeah, the he whole had his game. shoulder jacked so up. So I played almost the whole Utah State game, the whole Colorado State game, um, and a lot more playing time which which uh, um, allowed me to have a little bit of a legacy or not like Robbie's legacy or Steve's or these guys, yeah. but Robbie going down and and him getting smacked allowed me to have a little bit of playing time. So there's a running theme here we've established now. Now fast forward to 1988 over at Wyoming. Sean Covey gets a concussion, and in comes redshirt freshman Ty Detmer for the first time, and it didn't go so well for him. He threw four picks in the second half. He got sacked five times, and, and BYU, I think, lost by 10. But as I remember as we're watching this, there was something to Ty that gave everyone hope despite what they were watching, and, uh, and then he turned out okay. You know, because <laughs> he was young, and young yeah. guys try to push the ball in places where it shouldn't go, and and that's a common theme. When BYU's had to play young guys, they struggle a little bit, and then some of them never recover from that. Some of BYU's quarterbacks that came in with a lot of um, a lot of hype and a lot of success in high school that had to play, in my opinion, too early, uh, they never recovered from that, and others learn from that. Ty Detmer learned from that. He's a quick study. Ty's yeah. one of the smartest players that's ever played the position. Period. You can talk to the guys he played with in the NFL. You, you go talk to Brett Favre, or you talk to any of those guys that he played with. They're like, "Oh man, Ty, Ty is just." He had to teach Brett Favre yeah, what the nickel yeah. defense what's, was. What's the nickel defense? <laughs> Brett didn't know. Ty, Ty told me a funny story about they were they were in a really clutch period of a game 
when the defense was out and needed to get a stop or if they didn't get a stop um, and the offense scored, they would have to, Brett would have to go back out and engineer. It was an important game. Engineer a drive and they, they'd have to win it. And Ty's like thinking, okay, if they do score, this is what we need to do. And and he's going to have this word. He's standing right next to Favre. And, and the other team scores and uh, he looks over to Brett and he's going to say something about, I think this is what they're going to do. And Brett says, are we still going bird hunting on Thursday or what are we going to do? <laughs> and Ty's like, you know what? I just don't think I need to worry about Brett right now. He's just going to go out and sling it. And Brett just went out and sling. He just slinged it. Yeah, he and, slinged and, it. And, uh, and they won the game and everything was fine. So Ty comes in because Covey got hurt. And then you go to 2000. Brett Engelman gets hurt at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And that opens the door for Brandon Doman, who, who was dead on the bench, fourth string, fifth string, never even got a look. They, they wanted to move into wide receiver. Yeah, and now he's in. And... Uh, and then he makes his first start in Lavelle's final home game. Yes. You can't lose that game. No. Against New Mexico. And then he goes up to Salt Lake and beats the Utes in Lavelle's final game against Utes. You can't lose that game either. And then all of a sudden he becomes Superman. Yeah. And, and he had, there was Su- Superman and Robin. I don't know which one was which, but between and Luke Staley, Staley. And he got Reno Mahe in there. Luke Staley and Doman. <laughs> and, 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 and Reno Mahe at wide receiver. You throw a screen to Reno Mahe, he could make the whole other team miss. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget, we had, I had a telestrator one of the years that Reno was playing. And I started to telestrate a screen that they threw to him. And I'm like, here's the thing I want you guys to all watch. He made six people miss, but he really only made five people miss because the first guy that missed him got back up and chased him down. Then he made him miss him again. So one guy missed him twice, and he scored a touchdown on a screen pass. So so Brandon and that team, you talk about the skill guys on that team, wow. Yeah. But Brandon doesn't get that opportunity if Brett doesn't go out. Right. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden Brandon comes in. And they go to 2003, and, and Matt Barry, remember him, breaks yeah. his hand. In comes John Beck. Yeah. And and John was one of those guys where he was pressed into action way too soon, and, and he was turning the ball over a little bit. And, and I'm thinking, man, are we gonna? Because this guy has such a great arm, we're gonna ruin this guy by making him play. But John mentally was so unbelievably tough that every time he made a mistake, he learned from that mistake, and he just got better and better. Very, you know, you 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 could put John right. His senior year, you can put John back up with any quarterback that's played here, with the way he managed uh, the game and the throws that he made and his leadership, just unquestioned, and and the great approach that he had to the game, and that's carried over to today. Yeah. For John, is he's one of the top quarterback coaching gurus in all of football. He's got NFL guys lining up to coach him. He, you know, did magic with Zach Wilson. He's just. He's got a, a big uh, a group of college quarterbacks lined up to work with him. Um, he's a he's a phenomenal talent still because of his knowledge and understanding of the game. And early on, I was wondering if the guy could even play. Yeah, because he, he had played kind of too early, mm-hmm. turning the ball over, fumbling, throwing, you know. And but man, did when that he was change. done. Man, did that change. And he and Max Hall, Max stayed healthy too for the most right. part. But then we get into 2014. Here comes Taysom Hill. And we have three seasons of Taysom, and then and then the backup Christian Stewart gets to play because right. Taysom goes down, uh, and and we're like, well, can Christian Stewart play? Yes, he can. Yeah, you know, here's the thing that people don't understand: there's BYU when when they're good, they always have depth at quarterback. And Christian Stewart came in, and we're like, who's this guy? This guy's slinging yeah. it all over the place, and he played great uh, um, in in uh, in relief for for Taysom Hill. And that was going to be a theme because guys were going to have to play great because Taysom was going to have this series of just 
remarkable, crazy, fluky injuries. Yeah. That that just didn't didn't make sense. Like 2015, we're there in Lincoln, and Taysom is hammering Nebraska in front of all those Cornhusker fans, and then a whole bunch of blue folks that were were sitting up in the corner who we had a chance to visit with, and then uh, and he gets hurt, Liz Frank injury, and now all of a sudden Tanner Mangum's in the game. And Mangum throws a Hail Mary pass, and BYU gets one of their biggest road wins ever. You, you and I were there for that. Yeah, in the end zone. We were, we were right there on the – right on the uh, the end zone line, looking down the line. And, and I remember when he threw that up and he caught the ball. You and I looked at each other, and we both went, did he get the football past the line? Yeah. Because he was right on the front of the line, and we weren't sure they did. And then they signaled touchdown. and It was pandemonium because there were a lot of BYU fans, yeah. and there was shock – with the with the big red and we're looking there going did did that just happen and i what i remember after all of that we are interviewing tanner mangum right live on byu tv and uh and then that's when we got word that Taysom season was over yep and then tanner reacted to the news as we visited with him about it and so there was the euphoria just a moment ago and then uh, we liked Taysom so much that there was just the, you've got to be kidding me. He fought all the way back from an injury, and now he's out again. Uh, yeah, I just felt for Taysom because you would watch how hard he would work work, work in the offseason and, uh, and and just one injury after another, and uh, you, you felt really, really bad for him. But Tanner came in, had you know had a couple of big-time Hail Mary plays. And, yeah, Boise you know, State the next State week. did the same thing. Um, well, then, then Taysom comes back, and then he gets hurt again, and it's Mangum going into the poinsettia bowl against Wyoming, mm-hmm. and Mangum wins that game. So there was kind of a – we were always going to get to know Taysom's backup, yep. uh, unfortunately, yep. the way that went. Guys, and guys and then it would continue with Mangum. Yep, yep, we're going up, gone with Mangum. Hey, I was just I'm, – I'm looking at the chat as it's coming up. It's just it, – it's, it's, somebody says um, – Bluesville asked us, have injuries increased in today's era um, of, of ball? I, the athletes are better conditioned, um, and they're more careful. Um, and and I, I don't know that they've increased. And, and I, you know, I don't have any data to support that. I think football's always been a violent game. Yeah. I think there's far fewer concussions. I think they pay way more attention to concussion protocols and that kind of thing. We do know that Kalani yeah. plays way fewer return missionaries. Right. Right, because so, of the injuries. Some, some guys are saying, "Hey, did you see Paul Lasique's rugby hit against Navy?" I do remember that. Yeah, that was, that was nasty without yeah. without equipment on even. Um, and 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 Medward one was saying the Jamal Willis sweep Moello and Eby. So Mo was an Outland Trophy winner. I'm assuming he's saying Jamal was on a sweep and Mo was the polling guard and just buried somebody. Probably mowed someone. That's, that 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 that's kind of a a fun one. Um, well, look as we get into the modern era of where we're at. Uh, Mangum gets hurt in 2017. We see Bo Hodge. He gets hurt. In comes Joe Critchlow. And now we're like, what is going on here? You remember BYU played four quarterbacks in the game at Utah State. Yeah. And, and I was up on the on the sideline of that game just thinking, how is this even happening? You've got to be kidding me. Well, then the, then the theme continues because you got uh, you got Zach Wilson. He gets hurt. Jaron Hall comes in. He gets hurt. And Baylor Romney comes in. This is all in 2019. Yeah. And and. The fun part about the you hate to see guys get hurt. The fun part was, people were like Baylor Romney's the third string guy. Baylor Romney has a legacy here. Yeah, people were like that dude can play. He could have started for a lot of P five programs around the country, and he proved that on the field by going out and winning football games. All Baylor Romney ever did 
was, was go win. in and win games. Yeah. And it didn't BYU. matter who he was playing. Last year, same kind of thing. Hall gets banged up with his ribs, gets him very aggravated, broke him in against Arizona, beat the Utes with broken ribs, mm-hmm. and then is beating Arizona State with broken ribs. Uh, he's out, and Baylor comes in. First pass, without even warming up, throws a touchdown to Isaac Rex. Yeah, don't even worry about it. <laughs> Baylor's just like, don't even worry about it. And, and, and I, I have a special spot in my heart for Baylor because he wore my old number. He wore yeah. 16. I'd always, I'd always say it in Baylor. Yes. Hey, go represent 1-6. And, and he did. Yeah. He represented 1-6 in an unbelievable way. And, uh, yeah, he proved. he Very unselfish player, team guy all the way. He's, he's retired from football now. And, hey, BYU's going to miss him. Oh, yeah. Uh, because he was a known commodity. And if you got Zach hurt or you get, you get Jaron hurt, people didn't worry. The team didn't worry. They're like, doesn't matter. We got we got Baylor Romney. He'll go out and get the job done. That there's something to be said for that. He that leads us to the contribution to the big question. This is the question we get asked the most here in the in the off season is if something were to happen to Hall this season, who then would be the guy to play? Would it be Jacob Conover? Would it be Cade Finnegan? Uh, do they need to find someone else as they move towards the Big Ten? What do you think? A big the two, twelve. The, the two that the two that you just mentioned, Jacob Conover and and uh, and Finnegan, and most people aren't familiar. They're more familiar with Jacob Conover. Jacob Conover was a big time recruit coming out of high school, out of Arizona, won a ton of games, and and was one of the top quarterbacks in the country. And um, I, I I love his skill set. He's talented. Yeah. He's got great arm talent. Um, big big time arm can make all the throws. Very athletic. Um, he's a guy like he's not. He's like six one ish. Um, and if you go watch him play pickup basketball in the field house, he'll take the ball baseline and in a game rise up and two-hand throw down dunk on people. So he's, he's crazy athletic. People don't understand how athletic he is. Um, he's been a winner yeah. his, his entire career. And, you know, he, he, he's like these other – like when he got in a game, he's just young, yeah. right? So Utah the, State, he got decision-making in. is going to be suspect at that age. It just is. I don't care how good you are. Decision-making is going to be questionable at first. So I think he has the capability to be good. Now, with Baylor, they didn't need to – you know, they did their best to develop these guys without playing him in games. But but now he's, he's going to get some game time. And, and I think he has potential to be very good. Cade Finnegan's the one that nobody really knows about. But this is the guy that said no to USC. Yeah. And big-time player out of Texas – at I, Boise State, played against BYU. That's right. He got, he got right off of a mission yeah. when he hadn't had any reps, and he played pretty well. They were down two quarterbacks, and the next thing you know, he's in the game. Against the team he always dreamed of playing for, yeah. and now he's got to go out there and try to beat them, and they were getting whooped. Well, it, and he has a really good – he can really spin the football, too. Like, yeah. he, he's got a beautiful release. Mechanics are good. He, um, he, he's more of a drop-back guy. He's played in pocket programs where he drops back five step drops and throws. Where, where Jacob's been more of a gun guy, quick throw throw release. Either of them will be able to adapt to whatever um, Aaron wants to do with them when it comes their time. And I think they'll adjust the offense a little bit based on that skill set. But um, Finnegan had transferred down. I wasn't sure what his number was. I was out, and I walk, walked down to watch the defense. This is last fall. Yeah. And I, I didn't even think about Finnegan because I knew he had transferred. I didn't even think about it. I had my buddy, um, Tony Gibbons, with me uh, visiting from New York, mm-hmm. um, an old teammate from high school. And we walked out, and we walked down because Gavin was coaching the defensive backs. And we went down to watch Gavin coach a little bit. And we're watching. Gavin's your son. Yeah, Gavin's our son yeah. that coached outside linebackers right. this year with Kalani. But um, I'm watching this kid that's playing the prep quarterback, and he's just literally he's throwing BBs all over the yard. Like, he's like, 
throwing 17-yard comebacks and streaks. I'm like, who is this kid? So they have a little break, and Gavin comes over to say hi to Tony, and I go, okay, Gav, Tony and I want to know who that guy is. And he goes, oh, that's Cade Finnegan. I'm like, oh, that makes sense to me now. Now that makes sense. He he looked every bit the part. Like, his skill set is very good. People just don't know about him. He was a fairly highly recruited guy. When he made the when he made the announcement that he was going to serve a mission first, some big time programs yeah. kind of were like, ah, we're not interested in that. We're not interested. And, and Ty had gone to his house and said, Hey, we've we we got Dinkelman coming right. in, we've got uh, Zach coming in, and they weren't going to offer another quarterback. But Ty went to the house, uh, who was a former teammate of his dad, mm-hmm. and uh, and just was kind of honest with him and said, "Hey, so he goes to North Texas because." Of uh, Grant Harrell, right? Who then leaves North Texas and goes to USC, and that was the connection of why USC exactly. won. Exactly, and know? then and it was interesting because Boise State had offered uh, him, and he felt like that's a big program that's had some really good quarterbacks. You know, Kellen Moore came through there, and they've had some good guys. That's a great program. That's a winning program. I'm going to commit to those guys. They're the ones that are committing to me. Let me go do this. And when Graham Harrell got to SC. You know, he's off on his mission and they're contacting through his dad and they're they're just saying, like, hey, you know, we've we want him down here now. Yeah. And and Kate's just like, you know what, I know it's USC and everything, but I committed to Boise State. That's where I'm going. And so he goes to Boise State, and then remember, their coaching staff changed. I believe if they went to Auburn. If their coaching staff doesn't change, he's such a committed kid. I don't think he transfers. He stays and lives out his commitment. But now that left him open. And BYU now had seen him and and B was like, yeah, we we need some depth. We need somebody to compete um, when Jaron's gone. And in comes Cade Finnegan. So don't sleep on Cade Finnegan. Right. I, I mean, I, I think one of those two guys is going to be really, really good. Which um, games? So here's the question, uh, because the Big 12 is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. So as you look at this schedule, um, Jaron Hall, if if he's healthy, he's elite. And BYU's right. going to have a great season. Could be a, a first-round draft. So pick. what game or games do you look at and go, well, maybe Finnegan or Conover could get some time uh, against Wyoming? Wyoming's different against Utah State. Utah State's different. Utah State's good. Today. There's Wyoming's Utah Tech good. on there. They can't all play at the same time against Utah well, Tech, but where else are they going to get it? Liberty's good. Yeah. like you, you look at these schools that are not the big-name schools, and uh, they're – they're all good. You know, you look at Stanford and go, well, Stanford's been down. Stanford's not going to be down forever. They got athletes, right? Yeah. They recruit well. And that's a game where you want Jaron Hall healthy because who right. knows where you'll be in the polls and all that. So so, so what you, you need to do is this offense needs to be as prolific as yeah. as we all think it can be because they're loaded at every position across the board. Like I, I look at BYU's offense going into the fall, and I I literally can't I can't find a weakness in this football team. Certainly not up front or in the oh. receiving core or at the quarterback Tight ends, or at the running, running backs. backs. There's just <laughs> nothing. There's no weakness. So they need to live up to their potential. Yeah. And, and part of living up to the potential is being the top 10 in the country in scoring offense and total offense. And if you do that, this defense I think will be good enough that against some of these teams, you pound late, them and- late in games, they'll pull away. And, and if they pull away late in games, you've got to get these guys. You have to have a, a decided effort to get these guys into ball yeah. games because um, you can't have no. you can't they have a rookie play. going into the Big Twelve and Jaron Hall could come back. We're just assuming he's going to be great and move on to the NFL. But he's got he's got a, a year of eligibility where he could go into the Big Twelve with with BYU. But we're kind of looking at um, 
what everyone else is thinking over there, and that's, yeah, if he has a good year, he's out to try and get a job. Yep. So these two guys or whoever else, we see a couple of comments here about uh, can't uh, got to go to the portal to get an elite quarterback. One of these two guys could be the elite quarterback because you heard all those names we just walked through. Yeah, so, so wait a minute. Jacob Conover was recruited by Arizona State. Alabama. And, uh, Alabama and all these yeah. schools said no to Nick Saban. Uh, we just told you. That Kate Finnegan said no to USC. So what do you talk about an elite quarterback? Right. Those are elite quarterbacks. They just need to develop. Um, Bluesville one says, "What's what's the chat info?" Comments on Ryder Burton from Springville, and uh, he he's he's a special player. And sometimes he's, but he'll be a true freshman. Yeah. Sometimes you you look at guys, and he's got all the tools. Like he's a big, strong yeah. guy with a big, strong arm. Tremendous work ethic, great leader, and and so a guy like Ryder Burton. But Ryder Burton's a mission kid, yeah, right. So he's a few years away, and and so just like Cade Finnegan, you forget about Cade Finnegan because it's been how many years since he came out. Everybody's really excited about him when when he came out. It, it we're not going to transition to basketball right now, but people are like, wait, who who are these guys are coming back from missions? The Hall kid, yeah, are they good? The I can't remember kid. quite I'm like, them. Tulsum was the player of the year in the state of Washington. Hall was the player of the year in Utah. And and they were dominating. And all the Pac-12 schools were recruiting him. And and you just forget. When these kids go on missions, you forget how good they were. Um, So let's not forget about Ryder Burton because they're recruiting him because they think he can play in the Big 12 and be be a guy. If there's a common denominator in all these quarterback maneuvers that have been successful, especially through the glory years that, uh, that you were a part of, there was a giant offensive line. And right now, no matter who the quarterback is, you could even come back out of retirement and play behind this offensive line. My hamstrings might hold up behind these guys because I wouldn't have to go running around. You need a nose guard because yeah, we'd have to work this, on that. This is an issue. But 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 the offensive line and the receiving core is built to make whoever is quarterback look good, and and Jaron Hall has the opportunity to look great. And and what BYU's been able to do now in recent years as well, they're attracting some pretty talented running backs to come play. And if I'm recruiting a running back right now, you don't think that Brooks, when he was looking at where he could transfer, he's a proven commodity. He was a starter in the Pac-12, his leading rusher at Cal last year. He's looking around, and BYU's saying, hey, oh, by the way, why don't you come play with us? Um, our our last guy is, is in the NFL, or, yeah. or is going to be in the NFL. Our guy right before him, he's been a starter in the NFL. We, so we have this tradition of guys. And, oh, by the way, in, in our two deep, our 10 guys in, on the offensive line, we probably got six or seven guys that are going to play in the NFL. Well, maybe that's an example, but five. Yep. They probably have five guys that are bona fide NFL guys, and we haven't had that in a long time at BYU. And so so I, I think when you're going to recruit running backs – you say, look at the running backs that have played here and look at what the, what's now been reestablished up front. And that's just going to perpetuate itself now. They're, they're getting monsters. And, and they, they, they pivoted in who they were recruiting. They started to go get longer, taller, better athletes that they knew would go on missions, come back, fill out. And you know, I, you know, I think it left, it left tackle. Blake Freeland's a perfect example of this. Blake Freeland played quarterback in high school. It's like a 6'7", 220, 20, 30-pound quarterback. Now Blake Freeland is a six foot eight, 315-pound, lean. Go watch a highlight film of Blake Freeland. And did we not grass. see the other day a projection of him like being in the top the, five? The number five pick. The number one overall. offensive lineman picked in the draft. Yeah. Number one offensive lineman. And he has that potential. He needs to stay healthy. He needs to continue to get better. Um, 
but his skills and and that's that's kind of the recruiting mantra now is let's go get these long really athletic guys and when you're recruiting those guys um then you can go recruit running backs yeah and then then, you, sure. then you can make quarterbacks look good because they don't have people in their face. Think about Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill. They're running behind Tijon Karoma. Now, everyone loves Tijon. He gave him everything he had to BYU. But Tijon was barely 5'8", maybe 5'9", and what, 280, maybe 290 on a good day. Uh, and that was the starting center. And Connor Pay is the starting center this year. He is 6'5", and I think 3'15", 320. That's the center that Christopher Brooks is going to run behind. Right. Uh, it's amazing what Taysom and Jamal did with their offensive line, which was good, but it's nowhere near the size of this offensive line. And so you look at Christopher Brooks, you go, why not run for a thousand yards? Tyson Williams, who signed with the Colts today, he he looked at BYU and he was a big part of the win against USC. Ran for ninety nine yards, big part of the win in double overtime at Tennessee, and then he blew out his knee in the fourth game against Washington. But here's another running backs going. Uh, I'm not from there, not from the culture. I'm not. I don't even play, know anything about it except I know the coach. I know the program. That line looks good. It's fun. I had a great visit. I want to run with those guys. And, and when they come on campus, whether they're members of the predominant faith or not, yeah, um, they feel the family atmosphere that Kalani's created, and that's not evident in every program you go to visit. And and you know, part of the recruiting pitch is the for, former guys like Tyson and Jamal and these guys. Um, They'd be the first to tell you, hey, even if you don't make it to the, you go talk to the bunch of guys that came through the program um, that, that aren't in the NFL, but they came here and were from inner city in California or someplace. And they would tell you, man, I was unbelievably marketable in the job market when I came out because I'm not just like everybody up there, but I went to a predominantly, um, a, a, a university that's predominantly members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, and I graduated from that university. I got a first-class education, and I I figured out how to fit in there and compete on the athletic field. And people are going, that's different than the dude that went to San Diego State. Yeah. He's different than those guys. Um, and I want him to work for my company. And so BYU's selling that in the recruiting process. Mark Pope's selling the same thing on the other side. Come, come be different here. And if you're of, of any type of faith... Um, you and I were talking about this during basketball season about the the number of Muslims that are on the basketball team right now. Yeah, Tiki and, and, and Foos. And, and if you talk to Tiki or Foos, they'd tell you, is there a better school in the United States of America to play if you're a Muslim? Like, is there a school that's going to respect your religious faith any better than BYU? And and be safe yep. and practice and, your and, faith? And, 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 feel, and, and be able to, a, a school that's going to go, we respect your faith and we're going to make sure we make accommodations. You can you can worship the way that you want to worship because we have a great respect for religion. That's what, that's what they're finding out. Um, you're not going to get that everywhere you go. And, and I, so, I think they hold their worship services in the Wilkinson Center yeah. where it's been, you know, uh, designed for that, and and Mark Pope sells that. Says, hey, just you, we need good people to come here and play and represent the university. Uh, they need to be really good basketball players. They need to be of high character, and uh, you don't necessarily have to be a return missionary uh, or a Latter Day Saint. But yeah. if you if you play within the 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 rules, so to speak. You can flourish, and Matt Harms, and Alex Barcelo, and the whole slew of them that Alex have come Barcello's through. Great examples. Yeah, it, it committed, but it's it's interesting to me. There's been a conscious decision 
um, and all of the programs, but especially there were two really visible programs, men's basketball and football, where they just said, we're, we're, this isn't a situation where we apologize for who we are out on the recruiting trail. It's like, we need to emphasize who we are and how we're different and how if you're a, if you're a kid that wants to be good and, and, and exercise your faith, even if you're not um, Mormon, um, this is the place for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and they're winning doing that, and they're getting good kids. They're getting good kids. Now, of course, uh, we can't move off the injury replacement story uh, without mentioning the, probably the biggest in the history of all of football. Uh, it had nothing to do with BYU, but Drew Bledsoe goes out years ago. Yeah. Tom Brady comes in, and he's still in and playing again he's still in. for Tampa Bay. He's still That's in. That's the biggest. Uh, hey, be ready. Uh, it didn't work out for Bledsoe because he couldn't get his job back. Right. But you get hurt, you go out, next guy up, he comes in, and, and he just might be the next Tom Brady, and, and he's made a lot of coaches very happy. Yeah, that you're right. That, that's at... That's definitely the best injury replacement story in the history of any sport, isn't it? I think so. Is Tom? Tom's the goat. <laughs> He's the greatest of all time in the history of, of professional football. So look at our set team. here. We we got ready. We're ready for the Big Twelve, July first, twenty twenty three. You don't see Oklahoma and Texas up there because they're leaving. So right. you know right. they might hang around for two years, but that doesn't get them on this show. They're 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 not uh, they're not the staples. But uh, uh, we got a cool looking set here, and and so. Our goal with this show, as, uh, as we, we take a moment kind of introduce ourselves, is we want to gather the largest group of BYU fans around the world. And uh, on Tuesday nights, we're going to have a live stream here, and we'll visit with each other. You can, you can talk back and forth to each other. You can ask us questions. It's easy through Twitch. Um, you just go click on the monitor, a little box there, and it'll sign you up for Twitch, which is free. But what Twitch does is it allows you and us to just interact one with another. Or you can just watch the live stream and do all sure. that stuff. Yeah. But but we're, we're, we're fishing with our nets here. We're looking for the big haul of... We've traveled with BYU for years, and wherever we go, folks line up to talk with us. Not because we're great, but because we're connected to what they love, which is BYU, and this is a chance to do that from Singapore, uh, from China, uh, from Springville. Yeah, and we, we want to take you behind the scenes and, and you know tell some of the stories that... You know, we and and it's not going to change what we're doing with our roles with BYU TV either. Right. We're going to continue to do all of that. Our after for the review shows and our countdown to kickoff and post game lives and our our um, our co hosting with Sports Nation and appearances on Sports Nation. We love we love those platforms, but but those platforms sometimes don't allow us to go. And I mean, think about it. You just started a conversation, Dave, about big hits because of my nose. And an hour later, I mean, we've broken down every big hit that, that everybody can think and of. And I'm still staring and, at that and, tape and, on and, your and, nose. And injuries and how it's... In, so we can go deep on yeah. some of these topics, and we can we can reminisce and talk about some of the experiences that we've had and, and to a much, much greater and much deeper level than we can when we're doing a half an hour, an hour-long television show, which has commercial breaks, um, you know, video to roll. Um, and and as, we, as we evolve here... We're going to figure out how to maybe post some some video that that, that we can watch. Um, we we want more of your interaction as as, as things move forward. And there'll be a um, podcast from this, and yeah. it'll be everywhere 
on social media. And as we get closer, once we get, I mean, after further review comes back on July 26th, then we're in. The team reports the next week. Right. And so we're here on Tuesday night to tell you what's going on at practice, who's doing what. This is after, after further review, so you can even talk to us about what you saw on the show. And then, uh, of course, countdown to kickoff and, and all that stuff. Uh, media day for the football team, that's coming up. Uh, June 22nd, so that's just around the corner. Nine weeks from tonight after further review is back. And then it's the season we love. Uh, and, and so this is kind of the place to hang out as we get ready for games. Yeah, and, and you know what we'll do? Um, we'll have regular guests. Uh, you know, the first little bit here, we're just trying to establish and get the word out and let people know where we're at. Um, and as we build the viewership, so help us build the viewership so, uh, so I can make a call to Steve Young yeah. and say, hey, Steve, we've got all these guys that want to hear from you. And can come on the show with us, and we'll bring Steve. If he's in town, and we, I, you know, we can probably get Steve to come in studio. Um, we'll, we'll reach out to our friends. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll get Danny Ainge to come in. We'll ask Danny if he'll come in and join us. And and, and maybe we'll, I bet we can convince Ryan Smith to come in, the owner of the Jazz, should. and come in and we visit should. with us. Ty Detmer's already yeah. committed. Uh, Mark Wilson. We'll and, get, and, we'll get Chad Lewis on here, and um, we'll see if we can't get some of our guys that are in the National Football League to come. I can reach out to Zach and see if he's got time. Maybe not during the season, but hey, maybe, Andy maybe, maybe during the season. It's just an opportunity for you to, in our live stream, interact with with all these characters. And, and we're kind of the liaison of what's going on with football and basketball and stuff. And so uh, I think it's going to be awesome. We've been talking about doing this for a long, long time. And we're finally here. We're not going away. And... And uh, when BYU joins the Big 12 and that first football game, by the way, we'll know the schedule in October for next right. season. Things are going to be off the wall when, when that schedule comes out. But then we're getting into the Big 12, and uh, it's a game changer across the board for just about everything. And uh, it's going to take BYU into the Midwest like never before, and we look forward to all those markets joining us as their teams play our team, and uh, and we just have this global exchange. It should be cool. It, it, sh- it should be really fun. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, at, at the chat. Um, you know, people are talking about, hey, like, can we do some Big 12? I want to know about the quarterbacks we're going to be facing. We're, we'll get As we get closer to the season here in the next couple of weeks, we'll start to do some breakdowns. Um, we're going to... Uh, we're going to do our best to give you a season preview, and we'll do some position-by-position position, position breakdowns for BYU football going into the fall. Um, we'll talk about the teams that they're going to face um, and and uh, what their strengths are and how BYU matches up with those. You know, The other thing um, that, that we'd like to do is have some watch parties with you guys. Right. So, so the thought behind that, and you guys can tell us um, what, what you think about this, Let's say that BYU in a in a week or so is going to play Utah State, and this week Utah State's playing a Thursday night game against Alabama. Against Alabama, who they open on, with on ESPN. We may send out a thing saying, "Hey, why don't you guys watch the game?" Was maybe bring some fans here into the studio with us, watch the game with us. We'll watch the game together. You guys watch the game. We'll watch the game, and we'll kind of do a scouting report as we watch the game. Maybe we take the first half of the game and. And we take that opportunity as a group, as a community, to scout the Aggies. Come up with and, a game plan. Then we'll send it to Kalani. Plan and we'll, you know, Kalani lives around the corner from me. And we'll... Uh, <laughs> we'll say, hey, uh, we'll, we came up with some ideas. We'll say, listen, we had some fans in the studio. And we watched Utah State game. And this is what we think you guys should do. The so. wise guys and their throng of followers have come up with a game plan for South Florida. I think he would accept that with open arms. I don't know if he'd read it, 
but he would accept it, and so that would that would yep. be a start. So, yep. so we got a lot of fun things ahead. Let's let's uh, take a moment and run down what's going on on campus uh, for those of you who, and we'll have this regular too as to what's going on. So for those of you who aren't here and and see the local news or local radio, um, can kind of get tuned in. It's the t- week of the baseball tournament. Uh, the WCC tournament first one in a couple of years because of COVID. In fact, the last team to win it was LMU, and the team before that it was BYU. And those teams meet Wednesday night in the late game there in Stockton, California. Trent Pratt's done a nice job since replacing Mike Littlewood, who resigned during the season. And um, you know they got to decide what they want to do with coach there. Did yeah? Did uh, did Trent has Trent done enough to to get the head job? Um, uh, that, that remains to be seen, but uh, the ball game is on the BYU Radio app. You can listen to it tomorrow night with Jason Shepard down there. And, uh, and Colin, what do you think about that head coaching spot for baseball? I, I think Trent's done a phenomenal job. That's not an easy situation to no. just kind of pick up. Um, what I look for is how do the players respond um, to, to an interim coach, and do they – what, as you watch them, does it seem like they've got great confidence? And obviously, he's been a big part of re- recruiting these guys. Yeah. And and so, I've, I've been impressed. I've been impressed with the confidence they seem to have. And think about this. They've been on a heck of a run here down the stretch. As we mentioned, they, they were sitting just outside of tournament um, uh, right. position at 7. And they won 11 just, of 13. Just a couple weeks ago. And now they won 11 of the last 13. Won a great run. Their longest win streak of the season. And they, they go into this tournament as the four seed. So I, I, there's not much you can say. And I don't know how big the coaching pool is of candidates for a head baseball job. I, I'll be honest. I haven't spent a lot of time in my life thinking about it. Uh, Mike Littlewood was here for 10 seasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, before that, Vance Law was here for a long time. So it's not like been a on everybody's mind. I don't know how deep the pool is, uh, but but Trent Trent, uh, Trent Pratt has deserved to get a legitimate look as they yeah. move oh, forward. A- absolutely. Hey, I said I want to hear some some of the guys uh, on, on chat said, hey, I'll bring the popcorn. So that, I think that means thumbs up to do some some uh, watch parties. Not the cheap stuff. Not and the then, cheap stuff. We're going to want and, some and, butter on that. Um, another person said, seems like a lot of the games will happen the same day as BYU games, though, which is, this is not something we do every week. It's right. it's going to have to match up perfectly. Like it would be a Friday or Thursday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As we look at um, that. We'll give you plenty yeah. of heads up. In fact, early on, I think this week we're supposed to get the TV info and game times for like the first month of the season. And, and if and here's the thing. it's and se- Several people have said, hey, what about if I have a conflict with that or, or with this? We prefer to have you here on the live stream every time that you can, yeah. uh, because then you can interact. And we want we want you to get a you know click that chat, sign up for Twitch free, so that we can interact with you and read read the things that you're you're saying. Um, but if you can't, that doesn't mean you're going to miss it completely. Just go because to you can go back and rewatch it anytime, yeah. stream it anytime. Just go ysguys dot com, okay. click on it and watch it at your leisure. Watch part of it. Watch another part of it. Um, we're going to repurpose it as a, as a podcast. And where's that? Where are we going to put the podcast? It's going to be it's wherever be you get your podcasts. Right. Um, you just see, you know, YSGuys. The hub is YSGuys.com, yeah. and then that'll get you yeah. everywhere. And, and we're looking forward to that. Third baseman, Austin Deming. want to give him a shout-out. Named yeah. first-team all-conference today. Ozzy Pratt, Colin Reuter, named to the all-freshman team. Brock Watkins, Cooper McKeon, Nate Dolly, Jack Sterner, named to the second team. So we wish them well tomorrow night. they got to win that game tomorrow night. And then they go into double elimination. That's how the tournament's going to work. There's six teams, so 
Uh, two teams are going to be eliminated tomorrow. Right. Then you got the four, and then you go into double elimination. And BYU's got a pitching staff hey, that can get them deep. I, li- I like their chances just yeah. because of the way they've played down the stretch. The teams that are hot win tournaments, and they're hot right now. So. Track and field is honing yeah, into some big dates. Tra- track and field's not just hot. They're just really deep and really talented. <laughs> they, built, they have built a dynasty over there. Track and field. Uh, NCAA preliminaries start tomorrow in Fayetteville, Arkansas. 59, that's what we say deep. 59 entries um, for, for BYU. The men that's are ranked, a lot. 59. Yeah, yeah the men are ranked number nine uh, right now. The women are ranked number 14. Um, the NCAA championships begin June 9th up in Eugene, Oregon. They got a shot yeah, at the title. They, they're always, like, that's kind of low for BYU right now, 9 and 14. Yeah. But don't be surprised if, if they finish much higher than that in the NCAAs. But this is a perennial top 10 program in men's and women's track and a perennial top five program in cross country. Um, what a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, a couple they, of they, national they, champions yeah. back oh, in the fall. Just just, just amazing. So, um, so that's coming up. Hey, keep your eye on Carson Lundell, outstanding golfer. Yeah. The men's team, they start the NCAA championships in Scottsdale. Uh, and, and they're going to start on Thursday. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday tournament, and we see this happen with BYU sometimes. Uh, BYU is not going to play on Sunday like ever, and uh, so they will play their Sunday round on Thursday. Right. So you play Sunday, and then they'll pick up first and second round with everybody else on on Friday and Saturday. Does that does that work? Does that jack I, up your I'm go, I'm efforts? Go, I'm going back and forth on it because I think it depends on what kind of team you have. Do you have that kind of team? Um, like, like I'm watching uh, this this last weekend. I'm watching uh, um, uh, uh, PGA the PGA Championship, yeah. and uh, and I'm thinking, man, these these dudes like the two that were in the playoff. Every time a clutch shot had to be made, um, they just picked it up. They were just so laser focused. Do you have a veteran group that that is going to be lasered focused, and when it's on the line, would play better? If that's the case, then I think it's a disadvantage that you're doing your round on Thursday when nobody else is playing. If you're a little bit younger and you're just talented, maybe you just want to get it out of the way and then there's no nerves and then you can go play. And everyone you know, has opinions on it because what if Thursday's a perfect day and then Sunday when the other schools are out there, it's like a hurricane. Right. Or vice versa. And and so fairness, you know, I, I don't know what's fair. I know that, 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 that Sunday play, BYU's just not going to do it and that may have cost them a berth in the softball tournament by uh, by them having to move a whole regional because that softball team certainly deserved to get in yeah, and they got and snubbed. Some, some, somebody put that out in the chat um, a bit ago where they just said, how does BYU's women's softball team get passed over? Yeah. It, it, that is, it was a travesty. That That's another dynasty type of a program, and that's a program I think when, when they move into the Big 12 is going to really compete right away is that women's softball program. We got a nice tweet from Mark Pope today. Yeah. encouraging us well, and wishing what, us he well. Because he texted you and I. Yeah, he texted. Yeah, it might have been just a text yeah, from just, us. He just Mark just texted us. And we hadn't heard from him for a while because he's been quiet because yeah, he's he, got a lot of things going on. He, he's great. Over he, in the basketball office. So he wished us well, and, and we appreciate that. But let's talk about what he's got going on. He's got to still replace uh, Chris Burgess, who left for Utah. Now, we expect it'll be Cahill Fennell. I think that's how you say that. Uh a former Louisville assistant. It takes a little extra time for BYU to actually make a hire. 
And so it can float around in the media, and then all of a sudden it's going to be four weeks before it actually becomes official. That's what it appears to be trending to this guy. We know that Mark wanted uh, some P5 experience as BYU prepares for the Big 12, and they, they go to Louisville and grab an assistant. Mm-hmm. And he I wanted did. another African-American assistant. Right, right. And, and I, I think BYU's going to be in – people have been in panic mode as we're walking around the community uh, about – the basketball program with the transfers and all that's been going on. Um, and, and they still have a scholarship left. They're still actively recruiting. People forget that a couple of these guys that came in that were big-time transfers, they didn't sign until summer, yeah. you know, last couple of years. So they, they need to go get another big is what they need to do. And they would really like to get a big that has range that can step out and stretch the defense a little bit. So Now, between you and me, um, I gave a tour – on a Saturday to a big, yeah, seemed to have a good time. The day that I was, the, <laughs> well, here's the other thing: the day that I was um, co-hosting Sports Nation with Spencer, we had a big that was in, very skilled big that was walking around, and we got to figure it out if we're allowed to talk about these guys. Yeah, names. we're not mentioning we, names. We're, we're just saying we're guys are right coming. Now. Those we, that we, staff we, is we, working. We, we got to figure out if we could do this or not, but <laughs> um, but because of our affiliation with BYU, so we'll just say it, um, it may or may not have happened. Yeah, they they've had some very skilled big guys on campus, and we can say that yep. that's not that's not a mystery that they're still actively recruiting. And then um, they got uh, Rudy Williams, yeah, who's coming from Coastal Carolina, Carolina. six two um, guard. It's a guy that was a big time recruit out of out of high school, yeah. signed with Kansas State, played there, um, transferred out. Um, but this last year at Coastal Carolina, he's phenomenal shooter. He, he, he shot fifty percent from the field and forty five percent from three. But he's a guy that's really athletic. Uh, um, you know, everybody's like, what are we going to do to replace Alex Barcelo? Well, this guy, I mean, how are you going to replace Alex Barcelo? Right. He's one of the most gutty, smart, gifted three point shooters, players, great shooter, one of the best shooters in the country. Hey, but, but I like what I'm seeing from Rudy Williams and the highlights that I've watched of Rudy Williams. He's a guy that can finish at the rim. He's athletic. He can step back and knock down threes. He can get his own shot. He can distribute the basketball. And they need guys that can shoot 45% from three. And they need a guy with a ball in his hands that can score. And so, yeah, I'm I'm all about Rudy Williams right now. I, I from what I've seen, I think he's a really good get. They got six eight uh, Braden Moore coming out of uh, I think Virginia. He's a high school kid, a four star ESPN yeah. four star guy. Yep. Uh, they're still looking for some size. I think everyone wants to go. Where is the seven foot five guy? And, and you know, well, if they even they get a six ten or six eleven, somebody guy, that can kind of be a mentor yeah. to. Uh, That's Tiki. what I'm talking about. It would be nice to get a six ten or six eleven guy. Like a Tiki's going to be a big time back to the basket, in around the rim, yeah. rebound, chain shots kind of a guy. Foose is a guy that that seems to have really nice range out to 12, 15 feet. Would it, would it be nice to have a guy that can make defenses chase all the way out to the perimeter? A 6'10", 6'11 guy that can go shoot threes and and have a little little more range that you rotate in with those those two guys. And now you've got something. Now you can create matchups that cause other teams problems. You mentioned Braden Moore, six six eight power forward, um, offers. So not just recruited by offers. Kansas, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Arizona State, Houston, San Diego, it's State, a good group. Auburn. It's a good group. Yeah. So this again, it's like, are we going to get an elite guys? That those are elite programs that have offered him. We get you know they get an elite guy. And you know there were six guys that left. Uh, none of those six averaged more than seven points a game, and they were familiar names, and and they didn't want to sit the bench. Um, they weren't Big Twelve players. You know, you can argue it back and forth, but but uh, I mean, the mo- the biggest contributor of the group that left went to the Big Twelve in, in Caleb Lohner. Uh, we love Caleb, great guy, but twenty one percent from the three point line and fifty five percent from the free throw line 
isn't going to get it done. Yeah, and, and, and his shots going to have to improve if he's going to play a bunch down at Baylor. Right. What the guy can do is rebound like crazy. Yeah. And that's what BYU wanted him to do. Um, guy just goes and tracks everything, tracks boards out of his area. And but you just got to do, as you move into the toughest league in America, you got to do more. Yep. And, um, and, and so, Braden Moore, a shooter, a rebounder, a big guy. Some of these guys are looking at fit that role. But uh, I, I, I didn't have a problem with guys leaving. You, you know, life changes and things things change and, and things might not have been how, how you expected they would be after you came home from your mission. And that's okay. That's just, that's just how things go. But what we have seen the last two years watching the Big 12 on TV, that's a different place. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. BYU has to get different to go in there and compete. Yeah, and as we watch Foose as a freshman, he continues to develop. He's the guy that can play in that league. And Colin Chandler, Colin, yeah, he's the guy who can play Colin in that Chandler league. Colin Chandler can play in any Dallin league. Hall, yep. we believe, play can play in, in that any league. league. Yeah. Um, I, I think Toulson's a great shooter. He's the kind of guy that can shoot it in any league, right? Um, and Atiki, remember, Atiki's a guy that didn't pick up basketball until late in life. And then the year that he really should have developed, he you know, moves over to Toronto to really get development. And covid Shuts down the season, so he doesn't even play. That's the only way BYU gets him. If if he gets the chance to play his senior year, he's got the kind of body where everybody's going, oh, my goodness, this is an NBA body. Like, he's his athleticism, his hands, his feet. And that's what Mark Pope and those guys see. And so I think they got to steal with him. And Mark does a great job of developing big guys. And so I think, I think Atiki Ali Atiki has a chance before he's done to be a really good five in the Big 12. And he's he's got the kind of body to play in that league, and he he'll looks be ready. Like the guys in that league, he'll right? be ready when uh, Chandler right. gets home from his mission. Um, you know, uh, somebody asked us here, Doctor Catch One Thousand says, "Hey, can you guys do watch parties once in a while for basketball in addition to football?" Probably, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we can do whatever we want. We, it's it's actually easier because there's more games at different times. It might might be able to absolutely be able to do that. That's a great idea. Hey, shout out to Elijah Bryant. This week, he became the first player in history to win an NBA championship and a EuroLeague championship back-to-back uh, -back seasons. And he just won the EuroLeague championship with his uh, Turkish team uh, a couple of days ago. So timing's everything for Elijah. It was everything for the Bucks Last year, he was playing for the Bucks and getting in a little bit, but he got a ring. Now he's got a second ring from the EuroLeague, and uh, we see him on Twitter all the time. A shout-out to, yep. to Elijah. And, and, and for the, he's playing in Turkey. Yeah. Right. So he's he's over in Turkey and um, you know high level Euro League uh, um, and uh, and doing really well. Elijah's a, what what a, what a good guy. What a good representative of BYU mm -hmm. over there. He's always, he's always representing the Y wherever he is. Hey, so, what do you think of uh, Amber Whiting, the new women's I'm, head basketball coach? Pretty, pretty excited about that. People yeah. are like, what? Well, it's a surprise because I don't think anyone thought yeah. that uh, Tom Homo would go to high school, yeah. and uh, and no one knew who she was. But here she comes from Burley High School out of yeah. Idaho, and she was very successful. And she, very successful in high school, but she's also been unbelievably involved in like AAU right. and nationally involved in that kind of stuff. So she's she's coached a lot of big time players at that level, um, and I think that that experience where she's been plugged into the all of the recruits and that really really high level of basketball right before. Um, uh, I, th I think that that's part of what she brings to this thing. She's going to relate to the players really, really well. I think the key is she's got to hold this roster together, and she's got to get a, she's got to assemble a great staff. Yeah, and I think she's got to keep some of the staff that's there because they understand the formula. Jeff, I mean, think yeah. about it. What Jeff's done over the years, yeah. it's it, a, a, they have had consistent success, um, and 
man, they're really talented. What they've got coming back, they keep everybody together. They're going to be really good. Again Shayla Gonzalez and Lauren Gustin. You got the best scorer, best yeah. rebounder in the league. Uh, they'll be picked to win the league next year, even with a, a brand new coach. And so we look forward to, to getting to know her. We, we congratulate her. Uh, we all know Trent, her husband. We watched Trent play uh, back in the day at the Marriott Center for the Cougars. And so Amber Whiting will uh, succeed Jeff Judkins, who actually won more games than any basketball coach, men or women, man or woman, in the history of the BYU program. It's a lot of games. Yeah, that's – oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. So uh, some of the guys asking about will we ever be able to get players on? And uh, – we're going to try to do that. This whole NIL world has changed things a yeah. lot. Um, we might have to bring them on and say, hey, listen, come on. You can tell us all about your NIL deal. right? <laughs> but we'll do whatever we can um, to, to get those guys on. And, hey, this this is a new adventure for us. Yeah. We know all these guys. We've got close ties to all the programs at the university. And we're going to do our best to, to uh, um, bring. Yeah, you know, and a lot of them are on folks. BYU Sports Nation in the morning yeah. over on BYU TV and so between uh, between the outlets, we should be able to yeah and, to and, get them. Um, I don't even know how to say it. So it's ketogenic, ma'am. All right. Says, hey guys, I heard about your live stream today on Jack Hatch's show, Locked On Cougars. Glad to see all BYU sports guys supporting each other, which is which is really cool. And we you know we appreciate um, um, Jack Hatch uh, or Jake Hatch. He's Jake talking Hatch. about Jake Hatch um, doing that, and you know, Jake had had. You, you went I was on, on with, Alex, with Alex, Kerry, today. and Scott Mitchell. And Alex, you know, talked about the you show. You were on Ben Criddle's show. I was on show. Ben Criddle's show. Yeah. We love all those guys, and they, and, and we've had overwhelming support from a lot of the folks that have been plugged into BYU, um, uh, for for years. Hey, more is more. Yeah, more is yeah. more. And what we really hope to do, which will make us a little different, and we encourage you to listen to everybody and all their podcasts and radio shows, uh, is uh, the streaming of connecting everybody from around the world. That's really what our goal is on a Tuesday night, that uh, you know, talk radio here in Salt Lake, the Salt Lakers can listen to it. Uh, but what we want is we want a, a global reach and, and be a place where you can come, even if you don't live here. Yeah, and, and so somebody else said, have you guys checked out um, Chaz, D'Lo, and Malik's little uh, um, uh, no politics thing that they post. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, I have, I, I'll tell you, it, um, one of the things, so I was talking to Gavin the other day, one of the things he's most proud of is that D'Lo and Malik, and uh, I think I think there were there was these corners that they've recruited out of Southern California, North, North Cal, um, kids that came over, and I think he had, they had four or five of those kids graduate. Shimon Willis graduated? Yeah, yeah graduated the other yeah. day. And and for these coaches, that's a huge deal. Caleb Hayes graduated. Yeah, Caleb graduated. Going to law school? Yep. Yeah. Caleb Hayes going to law school. Yeah. BYU's great cover corner out there going to law school. D'Angelo Mandel, who's who I think is an NFL talent corner. BYU's going to have two NFL corners out there this year. And how about those two both? They're going to be playing their senior season as graduates. That's awesome. Graduated from BYU. You know what's best about that? And you don't have to take a full load. Yeah. <laughs> is that you, no, I mean, no homework. Malik graduated, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, who'll be playing safety for BYU. How cool is that for those kids to come up um, and to graduate and be able to go in their senior years with a college degree in their hand, um, and a number of those guys have a shot to, to go on and play. And isn't it interesting that uh, the South Florida game has taken on a whole new 
twist because Baylor's quarterback transferred to South Florida a couple of weeks ago. And if he beats out the kid we saw last year, then BYU will play Baylor's old quarterback in the opener, and then they'll play Baylor's new quarterback in the home (laughs) opener. Exactly. The one they didn't play against. But uh, that that makes South Florida uh, a very interesting game. They're not going to lay down either back there in South Florida. No, Hey, South Florida. Yeah. So so BYU, by the way, is already – they're breaking down film game by game for of their opponents for this next fall, and I and I get a chance to look at some of that um, at times. I have a little bit of an insight since one of the staff members lives at my house. That helps. Um, but but it's going to help this show. When, and, and I was talking to him about South Florida, and he's like, "Man, when you watch the film, that their talent pops out off the film, and you're like, whoa, these guys have some great skills." Um, and they hung with BYU yeah. last year. No, I think it was like 34 it, to 27. Don't sleep on South Florida. BYU's got a – I think BYU's as skilled on offense as they've been in a long, long time. So I, I expect them to go out and – you know, I think the over-under um, was at like 8.5. My over-under is like 9.5. Yeah. I, I think I, that's right. I, yeah. If Hall's healthy, I think they'll win 10 games. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so health, health has a lot to do with it. They're deeper this year than they've been. Um but don't don't sleep on South Florida and then Baylor. Baylor's interesting because they're really good and they've got that thing going now where they're just recruiting right over the top of and the they, town. Over they the won town. the Sugar Bowl, the Big Twelve. They got it, Moxie. Yeah. Them. So they they've got some good recruiting class. And remember, their players aren't all going off on missions. They're coming right in and playing. Right. Yeah. But you got to keep in mind that Baylor team last year that not only pushed BYU around, they pushed everybody around in the Big Twelve last year. Um, all five of their offensive linemen were were either, either all five or four or five were COVID seniors, and their entire starting secondary were COVID seniors. That team is as veteran a team as I remember BYU playing ever, and it showed. Like those guys were big, physical. They knew what they were doing. And some and, game-changing, and they, some yeah. game-changing mistakes happened with BYU's freshman linemen with, with their youth, and and so. It'll be a little different. Now BYU comes in with a veteran team next year, and Baylor's got to replace all those guys. Now, they're going to replace them with great talent, and they're going to be big and physical because that's that's how they built that thing. But but they're not going to have the experience they had last year. It's so, going to be a great can opener. Can BYU go in and, and, and beat Baylor? I don't see why not. I don't see why not. I don't see why not. I think Jets are going to buzz the stadium, and that's going to be a day to remember on September 10th. So I, I, I love now, – now the chat, they're chatting with each other a little bit about some of the places where they're chatting. And I'd be interested to hear where people are coming from. we got somebody listening. Um, uh, Dr. Ketch is, is saying how much he loves Santa Fe, but we got people listening in, in Santa Fe. And somebody said, hi. It's the United Kingdom. It's 2.27 a.m. in the U.K. If somebody pipes in from, from the Singapore U.K. Singapore or, or somewhere else over there. Be, and, hey, we forgive them if they just watch it on their own at another, yeah. at, at another time. So... Um, uh, ESPN preseason power rankings came out this week. Uh, some new ones. BYU is 25th. They were 23 in the old one that they mm-hmm. put out. Um, two Cougar opponents ranked in there. Notre Dame, number 7. Oregon, number 24. And uh, it's based on return production, recent recruiting, and recent history. That's how they kind of put this together. BYU finished number 19 last year in the AP Top 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ESPN has them sitting at 25. Why aren't they higher? I th- people look and go, oh man, how did they not go win that bowl game? And yeah, I, they're they're not looking at. They don't understand sometimes. I'm not sure that they do enough to understand who got hurt last year and who's coming back from injury. And and, and I look at that and I say, whoa, wait a minute here. BYU on the defensive side of the ball, um, 
they were really pretty solid at the beginning of the year. I mean, people think back to, to how they managed against Utah. Utah didn't run the ball at will against BYU. And then then you lose Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, and Max Tooley. And you and you were talking about all three starting linebackers were right. out, right? Um, and you, you had Batty uh, banged up. You, you lost Chaz Ayu for, for a better, better part of the season. So they faded a little bit. They were playing a lot of young players. Well, guess what? Those young players got better as the season progressed. They had some players that had been back from missions um, that uh, that they were limited time that are going to have a bigger role this year. Um, but but Keenan Peely and Peyton Wilgar are going to be back. Mm-hmm. And in and, and my opinion, two NFL caliber linebackers that were really good at the beginning of their last year before their injuries and are going to come back hungry to prove that they're NFL guys. And so I think BYU's defense is not going to get... BYU's given all kinds of credit, or the or the national pundits are giving all kinds of credit because they're looking at production coming back on offense. They know BYU's deep at every position. They're not giving them enough credit for who's coming back on the defensive side. I think yeah. that's where BYU's going to surprise people. That's where they go from that, oh, maybe they'll win eight games to where you and I think they'll win ten. That's where people maybe don't give them a shot against Baylor, and I go, well, I don't know, maybe I do give them a shot against Baylor. You know, we do give them a shot against Arkansas. And Notre Dame down in we Vegas. We do give them a shot against Notre Dame in Vegas where – that's going to be one heck of an environment down there. Yeah. Notre Dame's the only team that can probably draw as well as BYU in Vegas. That's <laughs> going to be a packed house with a divided crowd, and that's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. And we'll have a great show before it and coming after it as uh, we answer yeah, we, your we questions. Take, take, we'll do a great show here. We'll take, we'll take our uh, – hopefully we'll take our uh-huh. down, uh, countdown to kickoff and post-game yeah. live show on the road like we did last year to Vegas. As so, we should. I think, yeah. that, I think that's the and plan. We'll, we'll preview every one of these teams as we lead up to the season. Then the week of the show, we'll – We'll make sure you understand all the matchups, who's in, who's out, who's hurt, what the game plan looks like, all of that. Um, and we're not going to we're not gonna forget about the other sports either. No. But but, no, we but we do know that football is yeah, the – Yeah, we know that you guys love football. Let's go. So, Let's go. Hey, uh, hey the NFL – t- Tokyo, hello, 10.30 a.m. Awesome. Somebody just tell us – Tokyo. That, oh, it's, it's my boy Corey. So that's Corey Yoshimura – who uh, basically runs the Asian PGA Tour. Oh, yeah. I just was at the Masters with Corey. (laughs) I love that Corey is listening to us in Tokyo, 10.30 a.m. I'm assuming, Corey, that you're in the office working. Um, But but Corey uh, took Spencer Linton and I and and hosted us at the Masters a couple of weeks ago. And, And Corey... Is you know he's over a lot of the public relations and all the things that happened for the PGA Tour. In Corey, Asia. I'd like to be your new best friend because <laughs> the Masters is coming up next year. Yeah, so and I, I'm so pumped, and that's great. Corey says that he's excited to follow along every week from Tokyo. Let's let's Corey. Let, we got to build a, a group over there. Get some friends together. We got to build a group over there. You need to gather the Cougars in Tokyo, Corey. And you gotta you gotta get them to come on and be uh, and, and and be here with us. That's, That's awesome. awesome. So yeah, absolute shout out to Corey Yashimura, our, our good friend. Um, and uh, Cor- hey, Corey takes care of Hideki over there. Yeah, and Kaya and, and that whole and that whole group over there. If and, uh, and hey, Hideki can't be who Hideki is without Corey. No, so no, we all awesome. know that over here. Uh, the NFL today announced the Combine is going to stay in Indianapolis in 23 and 24. How many BYU players do you think will be invited to the Combine next spring? Ooh, that's that's an interesting – because I think BYU's going to have some guys that are going to declare next year that aren't right. going to be seniors. If they have good years, for yeah. sure. So it's like – so that that 
changes it, right? So, so like Freeland technically would have another year, but if you're if you're projected top ten pick, yeah. do you not go? You go, right? Jaron, you Hall, call Zach. You say Zach, how much if, you get paid? If, okay, I'm going. If Jaron Hall stays completely healthy, he's a he's a combine guy. Yeah. If if Brooks has the kind of season that he could have behind that offensive line, Brooks is probably a guy that could be there. What about Puka Nakua? Puka, and, uh, Puka and, Romney. and Romney both are potential combine yeah. invites. And and then on the defensive side, we just talked about Peely and Wilgar that, that are possibilities. And what about those corners? Yeah. What, what about D'Angelo Mandela? What about Caleb Hayes? What about that? Group? They're playing a schedule that can showcase their skills and, and, against good talent. And here's what's happened. Here's what happens too. When your team has success, you have a chance to shine more. You know, especially so you look at a guy like Brooks. Does Brooks have a chance to get invited? Not if he's playing on a crappy team. He doesn't. He's playing running back. He has to have horses up front to get him a thousand yard plus season, which I think is very possible, right? Yeah. Um, if you're Puka and, and you're Gunner, maybe Puka gets invited anyhow because he's just a freak, and, and and Gunner can just run away from me. If 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 those two can stay healthy next year, um. And, and honestly, I was talking to I was talking to Gunner about this, and I was talking to Puka about it. I asked them. I said, "Does anybody in the country have a better starting two outside wide receivers than this group anywhere?" And Puka goes, "Well, I know the Pac-12, and nobody in the Pac-12 does." And I love that confidence. Yeah. Right? And Gunner's like, "No, nobody in the country is better than us." So they're playing with a little <laughs> swag, right? They're playing with a little like, "Yes, we know we're good, and we're going to go out and we're going to dominate." But you think about it, like. Outside of Bama, you know, Ohio State, Clemson, those kinds of teams, I don't care who you're talking about. Those, those two are as good as anybody has. Um, Puka's, Puka's a big-time talent. He's an NFL guy. Um, it's going to be fun to watch this fall. Yeah, and so, I mean, we've just named a few. It all depends on how that season goes. It all depends on um, if they're really good, those guys have a chance to shine more. They've got to stay healthy. Um but but absolutely, there, there's more than one offensive lineman that, that has a chance to shine this next year as well. The good news for BYU is when, when I look across that 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 offensive line, um, you know Blake Freeland's a junior. Clark Barrington's an NFL guy. He's he's a junior. Connor Pay's just a sophomore at center, so he's a year away or two away. Um, you got Kingsley C- Campbell Barrington's just a sophomore. Kingsley uh, Somataya Somataya um, transferred down from Oregon. He's just gonna be a freshman, yeah. right? And so. He's an NFL guy down the road. When we say they have, they probably have five of their ten guys in their two deep or NFL guys. We're not talking about all next year, right? The one that just just jumps out at you probably after next year is Blake Blake Freeland. Um, but but a number of those guys have a chance to to really shine. This this is a good group. Clark Barrington's coming back from some offseason surgery, so he's been playing kind of nicked up. If he can be 100 percent healthy, he's a dominant player in there. Um, they're really really good up front. Really good up front. Um, and they're deeper than I remember them in a long, long time on the defensive side of the ball up front, but but really young up there as well. Got a couple of senior guys. Uh, Earl Tuioti Mariner yeah. is a senior that's on that D-line. And Lorenzo Fautea, it seems like he's been around a long time. Yes, he has. But that, that's a couple of seniors. And then you you got a bunch of sophomore, freshman, juniors. Um, I'll tell you, I was disappointed. Logan Fano. Yeah. I usually don't say that freshman right off of a mission can play. Two weeks into spring ball, I'm like, this dude's going to play. There's no way. That, I know Kalani doesn't like to. He's too good not to. And then ACL. Then he got hurt. Yeah. Dang it. Uh, earlier, we had mentioned that uh, Caleb Hayes at Keenan Ellis is the one in law school graduated. Uh, Hayes a little bit younger. And Keenan's the one who got hurt 
down there in Vegas against Arizona, and his football was taken away from him for health reasons. Finished his degree in sociology and uh, is heading to law school, which is which is outstanding. Yeah, really cool. Uh, a couple other things. Um, Western Conference Finals, Game 4, Golden State-Dallas. Warriors can sweep with that a win tonight That's my team as right we're there. in real time. Cubs are beating the and, Reds 10-3. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not a bandwagoner either, just so you know. That's, I'm not a bandwagoner. Steph's my guy. He is your guy. Steph is my guy. He's always been my guy. I, when KD goes, I'm like, I don't care about KD. This is Steph's team. KD leaves. They're still great. Steph's the man. That's, that's enough said. <laughs> They're going to win the championship this year. They look like they're pretty good. They look like they've got it going. Dallas, who was was looking pretty good, you know, in the previous series, and had no trouble with the Jazz. Uh, they've run into a buzzsaw, and we'll see if it's Boston and the Warriors. Maybe yep. the Heat are decent. Yeah, yeah. Decent. No, I, I I think the Warriors all the way. I've been saying that since the beginning, and I, I didn't I, know Steph was your guy. He's been my guy for a long time. I I, I feel like Steph. You know, we talk about hey, Lavelle Edwards and Gary Shidey changed the college passing game. Yeah. Steph changed basketball. Like he changed the NBA, and he and he, he changed it in a good way in college too. If you're hitting the three, yeah. But if you're missing the three, you're going to still shoot him because he's changed the glory of the three point but, but, shot. But the NBA doesn't throw it into Shaq guys anymore. The yeah. NBA spreads the floor out and they shoot the basketball, and 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 that's Steph. Steph changed the game of basketball for the better, in my opinion, uh, and I love watching him play. So yeah, there's, I'm a Steph guy all the way. So I'm, I've got the Warriors. There's a lot of entertainment news. We want to talk about this is a this is a this is like going to the grocery store. There's a lot of aisles hey, of stuff. Yeah, and by and by the way, like we're gonna f- sport, sports are folks, but there's something that's going on out there that you guys want to talk about. Oh, we're we're gonna talk about it. Let's talk about Top Gun Mavericks so, coming out this week. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know why they threw Maverick in there? Just Top Gun Two would have worked, but they went Top Gun Maverick. They just don't like the idea of a two. It's like this whole new thing. It's about it's about Mav. When Top Gun came out, I just went on my mission. It came out in May of '86, so I had to wait two years. I think I saw it in June of 88 and uh, saw some of it again the other night. I hope this one's good. I've heard some good reviews on this one. I'd be disappointed if we're disappointed. This one was done and has sat for two years on the shelf while we got through COVID. And They, they decided it was going to be so good that they were gonna, not going to waste it with a limited release. and Or, or right out on Netflix stream. Or, or whatever. No, they did not do that. Um, and so I respect that. So they got a lot of. It's hope. like a sports movie. There's they, always a beach scene. They're playing football and one, volleyball. One of the great all time. It's just it's just like an iconic film. Can this one live up to it? I hope so. I, th- I think I think the fight scenes and the plane scenes, like just from the from the coming attractions, it it looks it looks awesome. Yeah, that's going to be good. Oh, also this week Obi Wan Kenobi. It's been you know advertised forever on the the Disney Plus, and then Vader's back with that one. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm I'm all about that one as well. Any, anything that's got Vader in it. I'm more excited about Top Gun, but I'm but I'm also good for <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm also good for Obi. So uh, you and I have been working together since 1989, and I looked up a couple of things today uh, because we're here in 2022 embarking on this on this new journey. Um, a lot of things happened on for for one the number one song on this day uh, in 1989. Paula Abdul, Forever Your Girl. Was that not the video she did with like a cartoon cat? Am I, I have wrong? no idea. Am I wrong with that? <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. I haven't I heard of the name Paula Abdul I, since I the Lakers were good. By the way, I just got a glimpse of myself. Like, my eyes are got black too, didn't they? And you, you look tough. There's no, no question. So not only did I just bust my bridge of my nose and have a giant cut, but my 
I got black eyes now. There's a good thing that thing's. There's a good chance that thing's busted. I'm looking forward to next week. It's not. It's not. It's not Thank good. You. What's thanks? Thanks. Thanks band, for that. DJ. Our live band over there. Yeah, DJ, thanks, DJ. Gives me the wah, wah, wah. Uh, The blockbuster movie released on this day in 1989. Since we're talking about 1989, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Classic. Today. You, you ever go back and watch and do, is, like sometimes you're flicking through and you get TNT or TBS and Indiana Jones is, and you got to stop. You and just watch have it. to stop. And you're just like, man, we thought the special effects back then were awesome. And now they're so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Now, and now I look at them like, oh, those weren't very good. For the time, they were great. But the soundtrack <laughs> do, remains. Do you remember the effect when they opened up the Ark of the Covenant and and... And the guy's face melted off? Yeah, that, that, that freaked me out back Yeah, that then. freaked me out. I had bad dreams about that. <laughs> that, that special effect was like nothing. Who knows ever, how it would be like if they did it. we had ever seen before. If they did a remake so, of that today, um, you know what What? What allows oh, so, those... So I'm glad, I'm glad fully invested, just correct me. She, she, opposites attract is the one... That was with the cat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then Bluesville 1 says, whoa, sudden flashback of the palace. Of course referring to the... The, the ever favorite Star Palace. Right. Where, where my man, Elder Sikahema <laughs> of the first quorum of the 70, owned the Star Palace. Of course like, he did. Sikahema was the Star Palace king <laughs> at the time, and now we listen to him speak at General Conference. I'd expect so, nothing so less than you can than make it from King of the Star Palace, which for you younger folks was a dance club on 900 East that, that everyone, and ladies' night was Wednesday night, or was it Tuesday night? I don't know. And all I know is they play cool in the gang. Oh, yes, it's ladies' night. <laughs> ladies got in for free. Vysica Hammer ran that place, and now he's a general. I player. once gave a I – I worked for K96, and I was in charge of giving out a scooter, and one of the Bellini brothers won the scooter. And then uh, and, and I gave him the keys, and they got a little See, scooter. Everybody's remembering the Star Palace here. Dr. <laughs> Ketch says, wow, I remember the Star Palace. And Linda Murray's like – King of the Star Palace? I remember going there, too. And Dr. Kitch says, yeah, Ninth East. Did pro- See, we were people, all in there. People remember the palace. So, And, and I appreciate Fully Invested Let me know that was opposites to track where Paul Abdul did the... That's the first thing I ever remember where a cartoon character was integrated in the same video with a regular human being, Paul Abdul, dancing with a animated cat. So I remember uh, after I the, the night I got home from my mission, my brother... Darren and his friend took me to the palace. They said, let's go, you know, and, and I was two years removed from, from that. And, uh, and then I went in and I, I found a corner and I was sitting there just like going, what in the world? It, it, it made me feel good. Cause I knew I had, I had left the world for my mission, so to speak. Cause this yeah. was, and then some girl who knew me from high school came up and introduced herself and she goes, you just get back from your mission. I go, yeah. She goes, come on, let's go. And she danced with me all night because she realized she she kind of brought me back in. And I, I don't remember her name, but I just remember it was at the palace, and I was so grateful for I her. Say, hey, Brent, Brenda and I went to the palace back <laughs> in the day. I may, have dan- I may have danced with my wife back in the old palace days, and she was a dance major at BYU and the captain of the Cougarettes. So. Yeah. And that's pretty much where I got my moves. I just I just watched Vicek. We were just in Mexico. I saw your moves. That's right. When we were down there. Yeah. So just so you guys know, Dave and I decided to take our wives when we were down in Cabo to Cabo Wabo, and we went out. Sammy Hagar's place. We we went out dancing at Sammy Hagar's place to a live house band, and and while we were dancing, a group of folks came in, and 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 Dave said to me, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't those people look like they're from Utah? I'm like, how do you know that? 
They just looked like they came right out of a Relief Society meeting. So they I'm just like, I'm like, did. Come on, come on, Dave. And so I go over, and and then they were looking at us, and looking at their phones, and laughing yeah. and whatever. So, so, so then I go was over, up. and I and I, hey, just having some good, clean fun and cobble wobble dancing. Right, and I go over and I say, hey, where are you guys from? And they say, we're from Utah, just like you and Dave. <laughs> Just, we know who you are. It's like, oh, like, no. oh thank goodness we're yeah. And 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 my wife bust my chops because I didn't have dance moves, and I was like, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not look past the miracle that I'm even on a dance floor at all. You, you were out there, and we were we were we were, some, we, were some, we were some friends that that um, that got out on the floor. Like, hey, we all went. There was we we went back a second night. Yeah, and took the rest of the game with fun. us, and we danced. And I had some flashbacks of ladies' night. At the, palace, at the palace on We'll always have hey, the palace. Hey, for you younger folks listening, um, how about how about we bring the Star Palace? But there's no dance club in Provo. Let's bring no, the I palace don't so. back to Ninth East. That would be fun. That'd be fun. Uh, other great facts uh, from '89: Gas was a buck a gallon. Seinfeld debuted on NBC, one of the greatest shows of all time. That earthquake hit in Game Three of the A's oh, and who Giants. Can that the freeways just collapsed. The overpasses collapsed onto one another. Yeah. That was scary. That was going on, and then the World Wide Web was invented, which paved the way for the debut of the Wise Guys tonight in 2020. So we got, well, there's a lot going down in 1989 that yep. has come full circle. Yeah, pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'll never forget that World Series that that happened. It was it, it was a it was an all Bay Area series, right? Giants and the A's. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of trouble with that earthquake. A lot of lives were lost and yep. damage and, and all of those things. And and the reason it's attached to the World Series is the game was on. I mean, rarely does something happen in live TV of that magnitude. And so, it, I mean, it was a baseball game. That's not ter- nearly as important as dealing with the earthquake. But we were watching the baseball yeah. game when we saw the when we saw the earthquake. Have you, have you ever been in an earthquake before? Uh, yeah, the one we had in Utah uh Two years ago, yeah, maybe? F- I didn't feel that one. I felt that one. Did you feel that one? Yeah, came yeah. rumbling through. I was, I was in a. I was up in Magna, I think. I was in one that um, shook almost enough to drop us from our feet. I was actually presenting at a meeting in San Diego, and there's one just off the coast, uh, um, under the ocean, and I just stopped, and everybody was just still, and it shook for like I don't know, seemed like forever. I'm sure it was just twenty or thirty seconds, and then one of the participants said, "Holy crap!" That was an earthquake. Let's get out of here. And everybody ran out into the... And I thought, I'm not sure that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> Run so, out screaming? I just, I just ran out with everybody. <laughs> um, have you ever been in a tornado? No. So when I was with Corey Yashimura and our group and Spencer, um, we were driving. We had, the, They closed down um, Augusta National late in the afternoon. We were driving back to South Carolina to our hotel because there's no place to stay. You stayed in a hotel in South Carolina for the yeah, it's about tournament a, about, in about Augusta, a 50, Georgia? About a 50-minute drive over to where the University of South Carolina is, okay. over in over in South Carolina. You can't find a place in Augusta. The players stay at people's houses, you know? Um, and, and everybody's phone started to go, like these warning things. They had closed the tournament down because there was tornadoes in the area, and we were driving right into a high tornado area. And I, I said to Corey and to Spencer, who by the way was snoring asleep, Spencer went to everybody. I'm like, what are what are we supposed to do? Like, yeah, we don't we don't know what we're supposed to do. Like, are we supposed to get out of the car? Are we supposed to get down in the ditch? I mean, like, what what are we supposed to do? I'm not sure what we're supposed to do, you guys. And 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 they said, yeah, we don't know what to do. And I just kept driving, and then it was quiet for about a minute. And I'm like, no, guys, really, we need to have a plan, like. What if we actually run into a tornado and... Well, what were you thinking? Get out of the car and scatter? No, we, we Googled it and 
and it said that we should have just gotten down in a ditch. Like get it, like you don't drive your car right into a tornado. So if you, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. But if you are going to do that, then record it on your phone. Yep. So we can, yep. we can so see that. Anyhow. All right. We've got just a few more minutes for our debut tonight. We're going to give you a feel of, of what we got going on and we love the interaction. Uh, and and uh, and for our debut, which is sweet, and and you can watch our podcast and all that stuff too. But so, somebody, oh, did you post that? Did you post that DJ or did you post that Jack with uh, Dave and I in 1990 with our baby faces? <laughs> uh, yeah, those were those were the glory years. Uh, uh, a couple of thoughts for us to think about throughout the week. Uh, w- which game on the fall schedule are you most worried about? Yeah. We're going, to talk, we're going to talk about that next week. Well, yeah, but let's just talk about it for a moment mm. as a teaser because everyone else is out thinking about it, and we'll and we'll dive into what it, all football. Like, what, which one do I think is the most difficult? Or the yeah, one which one are you looking about? at? Going, hmm, dang, everything's got to go good for us to win that. I, th- I think the Notre Dame game in Vegas, yeah, is the toughest game on the schedule. I, don't get me wrong, Arkansas is really good, but that's an SEC team coming up to elevation to play in Provo. I, it, that. For some reason, that doesn't scare me as much as the Notre Dame game. So I, th- I think Notre Dame game is the toughest game of the schedule. Hey, Linda Murray, we're glad that you survived the uh, tornadoes in, in Texas and Colorado. Yeah, there you go. Survivor, tough. Well, and Dr. Ketch said he was in that Northridge um, one in the 70s. That yeah. big Northridge quake was something, right? What's it going to be like when the Cougars take the field coming out of the tunnel at Allegiant Stadium. When uh, when they did against Arizona, we were there because Countdown was live right inside the place where we expect to be again. But uh, the thunderous roar of 45,000 BYU fans on the road, which was awesome. It was amazing. But actually. this is going to be a little different. One, all 65,000 seats will probably be purchased at a high price. And uh, there's going to be a roar when the Cougs come out. There's going to be a roar when the Irish come out. And and I don't know because remember this isn't this is Notre Dame's game. Yeah, this is part of their Shamrock series where they you know, they they played over in Ireland and they so they take this one game on the road every year. Their fan base follows them. I'm not even quite sure. We'll have to find out maybe by next week how the ticket situation goes on that. Yeah, we since, don't know what BYU's going to get. Does BYU get half the tickets? I think they don't. So this may be more like the Oklahoma game where BYU had a phenomenal contingent down in Jerry Jones' world down there. In but Texas. they had 80,000. But 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 Oklahoma dominated the, the crowd there. Um, it got awfully quiet when uh, when when BYU won that. When game. Max Hall and, hit and, the... And the... And the crowd that BYU did have there went nuts when Max Hall... It was kind of like the McKay, Nebraska because the fans were so high up, but when... BYU was only one cheering after Mitch Matthews caught the touchdown. Yeah, the, it was like, wait, where did that the come The silence from? was overcome by a roar <laughs> from a small section in that that stadium. So I'm not sure. Notre Dame may have a bigger crowd down there. but I'd like to think that Notre Dame would be fair with that because of the two games they'd promised in Provo that they're not going to live up right. to. Uh, to go, hey, we'll play in Vegas. Um, we know you can sell every seat, so we're going to allow you, I don't, I don't know, maybe 60, hey, 40. BYU could sell 65,000 seats to that game. For that game, They yeah. literally could sell the place out themselves for that game. And I hope that Notre Dame recognizes that. It would really be nice if they, they were half and half. But BYU fans are resourceful. They'll, they'll buy them through Notre Dame if they have to. They're yeah. smart. There were a lot of people that bought Arizona tickets yep. uh, through Arizona so they could be there. They were sitting around Arizona fans, but they were they were in their, in their blue shirts. What about this final year of independence? Do you think... And another thought that we'll tackle as we get through the summer, but do you think um, everybody will kind of live in the moment and enjoy it, 
or is it all so much about let's get this over with the Big 12 coming? I, I for one, am going to enjoy it because I love the schedule. Yeah. And, and you've got you got Baylor coming to Provo. You're going on the road to Oregon. That's a great stadium to play in. I hope fans make the trek up there. You've got an old rivalry game in Wyoming. you got Utah Wyoming coming to Provo. you got Utah State. Those These are two old rivals coming. And that Utah State game is not going to be played for a while. Right. Maybe for a long while, long time. You know, so so the, the, and on that next contract hasn't been figured out. So that that's going to be a fun game. That Notre Dame game at Allegiant. You got an SEC team in Arkansas who was really good last year. It's supposed to be good again. Coming to Provo, that's got the potential to be the toughest game. Yeah, um, but we'll see how motivated they are. It's the middle of the season. They're coming out from the where, where are they at in the SEC. Uh, and 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 also, what shape BYU's in coming out of the Irish? And and Liberty's a game that you know you don't think about Liberty, but Liberty's been team's been ranked the last couple years and playing some really really good football. And then East Carolina comes to Provo. Last time BYU went to East Carolina, that didn't work out. Didn't work out so good. So a little no. revenge factor with that one. You got Boise State up at Boise in November, which is never an easy game. But and what good, happened what last time role. BYU was up there didn't go so well for the Broncos, and it's also their last meeting. Remember they were scheduled through thirty six. Right, all those are gone. And then and and I like the fact that here you are. We're talking about October, late October. You got, you got East Carolina coming. That's a good matchup because that's what's been hard in Independence is these late season games. Yeah. But but that, but then you got Boise State, which is a big game. And hey, you got to give it to Boise State for signing this long term deal with BYU and playing them late in the season. Like, Boise State like was their best friend. I wrote yep. about this in the Desert Absolutely. News a couple weeks ago. They were BYU's best friend during. Nobody should ever say anything bad about B, about Boise State. They have been a great partner. We don't have to like the blue turf. Nope. We don't have to like that. But and you can want to beat them, but you got to give them kudos. Yeah. For for the, for the good partner they've been to BYU, and then then you know Utah Tech comes up from St. George. A lot of BYU ties with the coaching staff down there. So so um, a game that BYU should be able to kind of get healthy. Then they go on the road and play at Stanford. Yeah. Um, which Stanford does Thanksgiving weekend. Stanford doesn't draw a big crowd, but they played a lot of young guys last year. But BYU but will BYU, draw a big crowd. That, that's what I think is going to be fun. You may have the biggest crowd at a Stanford game in a lot of years. And, you know, my son-in-law Dallas was a captain there and right. played on those teams with Christian McCaffrey where they were Rose Bowl type of a team and n- number five nationally. And uh, I'm, I'm betting that when BYU goes and plays there, there can be a bigger crowd in that stadium than during those years. Because BYU can pack it in there. That would be fun. You think it'll be a takeover down on the farm? I, I'm hoping for a, a hostile farm takeover. I'm hoping for a BYU takeover. And I normally root for Stanford all the time, but not in that game. And and I don't know. We're going to have to see what Dallas is going to do. I think Dallas is going to have to root for Stanford. And can I blame him? Uh, you can tell him to be quiet. He can, he yeah. can cheer I mean, quiet, his wife's right? a BYU grad. Libby, my daughter's a BYU grad. Yeah, it seems like, and you so, work but, there. But, but it seems he, like he could come but over. But he was a captain on a Rose Bowl championship yeah. team that, Beat the crap out of just uh, just tell him to sit. Look, look at that picture right there. That there's been a lot of oh ball games between goodness, that. Who is that guy? And that's when I was a, a reporter. Good Morning America, New York, a student at BYU, flying in and and in time to to do Saturdays. By the way, this may have been a picture from the day when I was trampled by the fans after the Washington State game, while yeah. you and Jay Monson so, laughed upstairs. Yeah, yeah. We were safe. You Dave was a young and there's a picture of Blaine. People, don't, we have one people I, don't know about Dave, Dave's history. When Dave was still a student, he won a national student contest and worked for Good Morning America right out of college, right, right when he was still in college, yeah. and then, then went to Vegas and 
Hey, we got some topics we're going to cover. You guys won't even think we're going to cover because I got a guy sitting next to me that's interviewed presidents and prime ministers and kings and and uh, covered Olympic games all over the world. And, and I've asked no one more questions than I've asked you. It's true because we've been together for a long, long time. <laughs> hey, Benny G five seven, uh, Benny G fifty seven was asking. He says he's trying to make a decision, Dave. We got to help this. We got to help make all a right, decision. Let's he's go. like, I'm trying to make a decision. Which one are you more excited about? Um, as an out-of-state fan, I'm trying to figure out which game I should come up for, the Baylor game or the Arkansas game. Baylor. Oh. I think you want Baylor because it's all fresh and new. It's the start of the home season. The start of the last season is in, in independent. There's going to be a nice vibe there. And everybody should be relatively healthy. But the I, leaves will have changed by the Arkansas game. Yeah, the Arkansas game is, in, is October 15th. That's a great time of year to be in. Yeah, you can't come to both. Yeah, yeah come on. You know what? But I'd go to Baylor. If you have to take out a loan to come to both, you just come to both. But but I think I, I I'm with Dave. I think it would take Baylor because it's a little bit of a revenge match. Yeah. This year. I hope we helped so. on that. Uh, so look, um, a final thought I found us. I found a story told by the great Lavelle Edwards. You ready for it? Let's be something to chew on. Wait, wait, wait. Before this, is there merch? Meaning, is there merchandise? Like, we're, you know what? Merch is coming soon. Stay tuned. Oh, yeah. We're going to have some Wise Guys merch. So anyhow, I'm going to turn it over to you for this great grand finish, Dave. <laughs> All right. This is told by the great Lavelle Edwards. A writer looking for reactions to a paragraph written by author Jack London asked Kenny Stabler, the quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, his opinion on the following passage. I'd rather be ashes than dust. I'd rather my flame go out in a burning spark than to be stifled with dry rot. I'd rather be a splendid meteor blazing across the sky, every atom in me in magnificent glow, than be a sleepy and permanent planet. Life is to be lived, not to exist. I shall not waste my days trying to prolong them. I will use my time, close quote. The writer asked Stabler, what does that mean to you? Throw deep, said the quarterback. <laughs> Lavelle gave that in one of his speeches, and how true is that? And I know Kenny Stabler. I worked a game with him uh, when I was a student at BYU, and uh, yeah, I can see him saying that. All this stuff, what does that mean to me? Chuck it deep. Just chuck it. Chuck it deep and see what happens. We know that Jaron Hall is going to chuck it deep this fall because he's been working on that with Puka and Gunner in the spring and summer getting their timing hey, down. Dallin Hoker can get deep, too, from the tight end position. Let's not yeah. forget that. And, and, and Rex. So we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. Um, and uh, BYU's got how many months till they go into the Big 12? Well, July 1, 23 is the official. Everyone's in the Big 12. So, um, so September is when the first opponent will come. We don't know. Who do you want that to be? You know, and right now there's some early opponent? September dates. I mean, you could throw Texas in here at 100 because, degrees. Because it looks like Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in. Two years, maybe. I, I want to. I want a home game with Oklahoma here in the very first year. That's all I'm asking. That's what you want. I'd like Texas to come come back in. I think that would be cool. Boomer sooner, baby. And then have Taysom run out the flag. Oh. Jump over somebody. They would have like recurring nightmares. <laughs> the Texas fans still have nightmares of him hurtling people. Yeah, as they should. Look for our podcast debut. You can download uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And ysguys.com is the hub for all information as we move forward. Please subscribe to all that we got going on and tell your friends. Uh, we got 14 months before the Big 12. And again, our goal is to bring together the largest group of BYU fans in a live stream uh, and do it every week uh, in, the, in the entire world. And the key is, 
That's where the wise guys is ysguys.com. Yep. Get on there and look for, you know, uh, snippets out on, on different media platforms. We're going to be rolling things out on Instagram and on Twitter and, and you'll be able to, to see the podcast wherever you watch a podcast. So yeah, I like join us. We'd love to have you here live with us, live stream with us. Um, and, and, uh, talk about the things that you want to talk about. So. I like that you coordinated your tape on your nose to your shirt. I always go in style and you know, I'm colorblind. I, what's going to be next week. <laughs> you no, know I'm colorblind. It's, <laughs> I do it's know not, you're colorblind. What's not funny is my wife, when I got home said, um, what was the door green or red? And you couldn't tell the difference. I was like, <laughs> very funny. It was clear glass. Leave me alone. Don't pick on the guy that's what did, colorblind. What did I ask you? What you said, uh, I ran into a door I text you back goes with, why didn't you open it yeah, first? It's like, why didn't you open it? I'm like, come on. <laughs> I'll, I'll, make, I'll do a demonstration of how I ran in the door next week on the show. So come back and you'll have that demonstration. Oh, that'll be great. Well, I'm curious to see what tape we'll have. And then we'll tell some stories like why Blaine can't eat within three hours of kickoff. <laughs> we got to get into that, some right? fascinating oh, stuff. Oh, my gosh. We're glad to have you with us. We're underway, and, uh, and we hope to be here for years and years to come. YSGuys.com. Until next week, we'll see you on all our social media outlets. And then, uh, and we'll be back. See you next week. As the wise guys. Thank you for being with us tonight.